to the ground. We're back. Another week. Another illustrious guest. Another <laughs> polymath. Uh, we got writer, director, and host of her very own podcast, Can't Take Me Anywhere. Mm-hmm. We got Nisa Neza on the pod. Uh, a collaboration for the ages, if I do I, say so myself. I think so. I think I we're think, giving the people what they want. I, I, I think they don't know what they want until it's, it'll, until it's gone. And they'll be... Mm-hmm. begging for you to be on third mic just to get us to stop talking probably <laughs> i i think that's just about right i think like you know it's like the the hierarchy of needs were, were at the top and people didn't realize that like that is what they were reaching for because they had to get you know their housing their food their you know basicness and then they worked their way up and they were like run into the ground can't right. take me anywhere collaboration so That's what you're saying what is what you're saying is people were having a really hard time seeing heaven through the clouds Exactly. Yeah. That's well, what I'm getting. You're from. on a really poetic flow tonight. Hey, yeah. I'm, so, Andrew. I'm so the pod, uh, podcast version of that person we were talking about. Ruby Carr. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think in, instead of giving uh, money to the needy, I'm gonna just donate a ton of this episode on cassette tape, and uh, and, <laughs> and the world, <laughs> all of the world's conflicts will be over. People people do not know what uh, what they were missing because so it didn't I exist just until decided, just now. I just decided my dream is at twenty episodes, I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bunch of episodes on cassettes, um, and then print out. <laughs> Are you so really? Yeah, so that it looks like the Holy Bible, and then drop it off at Goodwills. So. <laughs> People can people can finally hear the good. I'm, the better I'm gonna word. make those uh, those like fake folded twenty dollar bills, and uh, and when you open it up, if you like, say disappointed, you won't be if you accept run into the ground as your word and savior. You know that's pretty good actually. That's like pretty solid advertising. Oh yeah, I'm gonna leave them in like library books. I especially love when like the fucking youth pastors will leave those on the ground and then stand there with a goofy smile waiting for somebody to pick one up. So what you're saying is youth pastors are the original pranksters, if you will. It's uh, what it's, it's, I'm like, wow, I it's what don't the offspring hang out has with... been singing about this entire time. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what youth pastors get up to. Wow. Oh, no one does, really. Yeah, that's the point. Can I didn't you know imagine, that was a pastime of theirs. Can you imagine, like, how much do you think, like, a career youth pastor makes? They got to top out at what, like, 50? Like, can you imagine oh, being, like, you know. I, I'm not pocket watching these, these men of the cloth. I would yeah. say, I would say balling on a budget would balling be. on a budget. <laughs> I mean, they got they got the big guy to do some water and wine. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, or they probably don't drink. Now that I think about it, My no, they never very... probably drink. How else you would think you be able you to? Gotta, honestly. You gotta. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So we're here. We made it. Uh, we although we, apparently we you the... guys almost didn't make it because there was some sort of Taco Bell catastrophe. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold prior. on, do you really want to get into this already? I think. Well, I'm I'm dying to know. So <laughs> I That's haven't even me. stepped foot in a Taco Bell. So, in wow, like a really? That, we should talk about that instead. I what think you, you're missing out. I am. Um, um, I do a lot of driving for my job. Um, I thought you were gonna say drugs. 
That's another conversation. Do a lot of drugs for your um, job. For my job, sure. Um, you know, and I, I, I talk to Dan all the time on the phone while I'm out doing stuff. It's you true. know, usually planning Aww, or whatever. It's so romantic. Um, it is. So I, I went to get lunch today mm. at uh, at America's favorite, you know, fast food Mexican chain besides Del Taco, and. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I placed my order ahead of time cause I hate sitting there and like talking. So I, I love that my... you place your mobile order from the parking lot, from the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, you don't do that. I don't use the mobile app. I, well, I probably wild. should. I'm leaving money on the table and not getting I've those realized points, you know, because I buy lunch for so many people at work. I, uh, I've now realized the genius of like rewards points when you're using the company card. <laughs> you got those, so, you got those Taco Bell, f- uh, frequent flyer miles. <laughs> right. You, you, uh, you should see how many Chipotle burritos I have. them on uh, a trip to Tampa. So long story short, I place my order. I get in the queue in the drive-through. I get up to the drive-through and I and I say, "Hey, I'm here to pick up a mobile order." Um, and without even asking, like, what the number was, what my name was, the person says, "It's not ready. Come inside." And I'm like, <laughs> "I don't." So cryptic. I'm like, I don't think. I maybe you don't know how this works. Let me let me refresh. And I'm like getting more and more angry. Just well, like no, so, why why would I come inside? I'm in line. Like there's well, you literally five, asked the guy. Cars. I'm I'm on like speaker at the moment, <laughs> and oh, I'm right. hearing all that's happen. And you're just like, what? No. Why would I come inside? I'm in the drive-through. And then I, <laughs> the the scenario is playing in my head where I'm like, wait a second. Even if you didn't place a mobile app, you're talking to the microphone where you normally place an order where your food also isn't ready yet because you <laughs> right. haven't ordered it yet. And it's ready by the time you get to the window to pick it up. How is this at the minimum any different at all? <laughs> so I, I use some choice words. I think I said I'll go fuck myself. I probably said some <laughs> other things. At one point, the voice stops answering me. So I know like – I've already. They're crying it. in the bathroom. Um, there's no way to go around the cars in front of me because it's like a single shoot drive-through. Um, and uh, finally, I get up in line, and they go, "Is this the mobile order?" <laughs> and Are you then the one we've food, heard about? It was pretty anticlimactic, except for that that one moment of sheer anger, which Dan witnessed firsthand. <laughs> uh, I, Wait, well, I still. Yeah, hit me. I still don't get why you had to go inside. Did I? I miss didn't something? go inside. He refused no, to go inside. The, I, I, I oh, okay. have they no idea. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I have no idea why they wanted me to go inside. Um, they just wanted to see who could possibly be ordering that much Taco Bell. <laughs> Somebody's they like, who the look f- you in your yeah, eyes. <laughs> I want to. I want to know the guy who's doing who's like mainlining eight soft tacos. There was the a, there was a youth lot. pastor in there looking to turn your life around. <laughs> I mean, maybe I do need Jesus at this point. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was that was very. It was an interesting ride to be included on. You know, I feel very blessed. To, and then uh, I shame ate Taco Bell while talking to Dan in the Target parking lot. It's true. It's true. It's that, but that's that's pretty run. You know, that's common. It's pretty run into the ground. <laughs> yes, that concept has been run into the ground. Nisa, we're, how we're back. are you? How am I? I yeah, am... like spiritually. As <laughs> <laughs> a youth pastor, I want you to meet. <laughs> I am. I am basically like. I feel like I have three full time jobs. I. I am really spreading myself really thin right now and just kind of like seeing where's the breaking point? Like where, at what point does Nisa just 
like spontaneously combust. Which is funny um, because earlier today I was like, I actually don't know what she does at all. <laughs> I know it's film related. Yeah, <laughs> and I like I legitimately a, like, like, what do you what do you do? <laughs> I have a really really exhausting film job that demands a lot of energy and time and effort. <laughs> See, I didn't get that because um, you had so much time and energy for our stupid group chat nonsense. <laughs> I thought you were just, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the wind like me and Andrew. Are. Yeah, I, no. I honestly had no idea you were such a huge pop punk fan. I'm so excited to discuss. Oh my god! This. We'll we'll Stop. put a pin in that. And we'll get back don't, to that. I don't even. I don't even want to be in the same sentence as the genre. Oh my god! No, we'll put bomb. a pin on that. That's Let's fake get... news. Fake news for anyone who doesn't like who stops for listening for some reason. Just so you know, that was fake news. They call so them wait, dumb. You're, they, you're, massive dump your uh your instagram name is nisa found glory right <laughs> i hate it here i hate okay. it here. Uh, what, what were we talking about the gotcha questions we had going on yeah, earlier yeah. this yeah, gotcha journalism I, over here i feel got i definitely feel got <laughs> you got got i got got um, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I... we got, we got her <laughs> saved yeah. it Oh God! Oh, I hate man. this already. No, but the thing is, I have a lot of time and energy for group chats because I live alone. Ah, so you're craving personal I interaction. Cra- oh, I'm craving. Um, you live it. in Greenpoint, and you live on your own. You're just holy. I'm, wow. I'm isolated. I might you're, as well be walking through the desert. You're on that you pastor sal- salary. You got. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you ever been to a cafe Alula? I have not been, but I believe I have walked by it because that mm. sounds really familiar. It's like a Lebanese cafe up there. It's real good. Owned by this guy, mm. Tony. Oh, Very nice guy. I Got love Lebanese Tony. food. <laughs> yeah. that's, no, the, I, that's good to know. I love Lebanese food. Tony, who got in a motorcycle accident on the BQE mm. and then rode his broken motorcycle to work. Wow. Man, what a guy. I'll that's tell dedication. You. Anyway. Wow. So yeah, you're, you're lonely. You're in Greenpoint. Wait, uh, speaking of, I don't know, <laughs> this memory just came into my mind because we're talking about Lebanese food. Mm. I studied in Paris when I was in college. And while I was there, I ended up, I would go every, there's a big Lebanese like ethnic enclave in Paris. And they make amazing food. And when I was studying there, I ended up like frequenting this one little um, Lebanese tiny hole in the wall, like a mamoon style kind of joint. Uh-huh hole in the wall but amazing food place where i would get like just this amazing meal for like nothing and i liked going there because the food was amazing but also because the guys were so unpretentious about like letting me practice my french uh because parisians are kind of like notoriously assholes oh yeah um, in terms of speaking french with anyone who's not like a native speaker yeah um and so i used to go there and then um they were just, they just, you know, they were just the best, those guys. They were amazing. And then they were telling me about how they were going to open up a restaurant that they were, they had bought a place and they were going to open up a sitting restaurant because you can, you could, they only had like a couple stools in their, in their joint. Mm-hmm. High tops? And, low tops? Yeah. What, what size top. tops were these? I think high tops, <laughs> if I recall correctly. That's an okay. interesting way to eat 
Was there a table involved or like a bar? No, it was just like, yeah, it was like a just bar. A it bunch was of tall just seats. Like, <laughs> no, no surfaces. You, just, oh, you yeah, had to lean just, over another empty there was seat. Like, to... It was like you would walk in and then they had their counter. And then on the opposite side, there was just like a little tiny sliver of a counter on the uh, parallel wall. And okay, was... quick caveat, just I, I to get the full picture. Is Lebanese <laughs> food difficult to eat? Like what kind of, is it like bread based no. or is it like... Is it like a loose thing? It's, it, you know, like think of um, like hummus and pita oh, okay. and falafel. Sure. It's like Middle Eastern, you know. Okay. So, so, I don't so think it's loose, hard to eat, loose but... things are thick and stay in place. I'm real <laughs> nervous about eating food in public. Like, <laughs> really? I, well, we yeah, know this I, because you shamefully eat it in your car. No, that, and I'm <laughs> fucking telling you, that's the fucking reason. Wait, like, why? Did someone traumatize you when you were no, a kid? No. Have you ever eaten? Uh, I'll never forget. Yeah, this is the, the worst thing that happened. And the reason I am the way I am, totally. I was eating totally. a hoagie. <laughs> Completely. I was eating a hoagie, and when I was done, I didn't realize that I had dripped hoagie oil all down the front of oh. my shirt, and I had to go to class. So luckily, oh, no. my bullshit college was across the street from a J. Crew, so I popped in, and bingo, bingo, I had a shirt. But it was the shame of having to walk around and people going like, this fucking asshole can't oh. eat a sandwich. Suppressed memories. Thanks. Uh, so, Nisa, continue. I'm so sorry. No. Um, wow, the hoagie story really was worth pausing Do you for, want to hear more? Say. I'll tell you, tell you uh, more about that sandwich. Anyway, it's just a sweet story. And then um, they open. So they're, they're like, oh, we're going to open up this place. And I was so happy for them. And then one day I had gone to the movies and I was walking home alone i believe the french call it the thing. cinema the cinema i was yeah. gonna say that thank yeah, you yeah i was going to the <laughs> cinema shout out friends um, of the podcast the vet <laughs> they had a song about it love that for them and for me and for all of us um and so i was walking home from um the cinema and thank you i see i walk by the place by the little cafe and the guys are like Tonight was opening night. Like we opened the place. We had a whole party. And they're like, you know, they're clearly like they've been drinking and all that. And I just turned to them and I was just like, meh, I can't believe this. <laughs> you, I was just like, you didn't invite your most loyal customer to your wow. opening night. Like I wasn't aware that this was happening tonight. And they all like were like, oh, wait. And then they all go to the back and they just start bringing out like champagne bottles, food. <laughs> and this is in the street. Like this was, we were just started like literally had our own like restaurant opening party in the street. It was amazing. So it sounds just like Emily in Paris. First off, you, you don't go to the event and yet somehow get the most VIP treatment. <laughs> no, exactly. They, they, threw a, they threw a new event. <laughs> A literal, a literal pity party, if you will. No, that's the kind of drama that I demand. That is the kind of drama that I live for and buy. And if I'm not invited to the party, you're bringing the party to me. And and everyone is just like, we, 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 ha, 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 ha. Exactly, exactly. Look, I don't, I, I, I was going to say it earlier, I was, I was going to let this slide, but I have to tell you, um, I hate the French. Hate them. (laughs) Really? really? After after have you years, been? 
This is news no. to me. After years and you years and years. You hate the French, but you've never been to France. No, because <laughs> I used to hate it so much. I spent, <laughs> I spent so many years in the service industry <laughs> serving I you were French say in the tourists. service again. Yeah. <laughs> I did a tour. Um, when we were in the war. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm telling you, the like serving French people, like the most ignorant fucking customers I've ever dealt with. Like, yeah. I don't know what service is like in France. Obviously, I've never been. You had champagne popped for you. So <laughs> that clearly says that I'm like underperforming. But holy <laughs> fuck, what a miserable fucking experience it was dealing with those people. They're difficult. I found that Parisians were really difficult to befriend and just pretty just pretentious and standoffish but then i went to normandy and i also went to marseille so i found that people in like the outer parts of france were actually really lovely and very different than parisians i think it's very specific to parisians the kind so of annoying element of it explain to me like is it just i i guess i guess i can't picture a specific scenario in my head but you know like our is the service industry in Paris that attentive that they would expect no, something like that everywhere? They are actually quite the op. I mean, unless if you go to like a high end Parisian place and they are like on, I mean, it's just sure. meticulous and the food's incredible. But day to day Parisian like dining experience, no, the service is like laughably bad because <laughs> they don't live off tips. It's not like in America where. Right service workers live off their tips like yeah, you don't tip in hourly. paris they're making hourly so, so it doesn't matter you. to them whether you like no leave wonder. with a smile on your face so i i feel the yeah. need to apologize on behalf of myself this podcast um <laughs> baristas everywhere look that's fucking awful that like that's why it's such a contentious experience well, yes, but I also wonder if that's part of why they're meaner to service mm. workers here because they're like, oh, I and I have to tip you on top of this, oh, yeah. you know, and so all I of a sudden they have these uh, look, high they, expectations. They never you know? did, by the way, but... <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I, I want to go back to the days where we removed French from the American vocabulary and we had you know <laughs> freedom, freedom fries. Yeah, but yeah. I wanna freedom go like fries. I wanna go like a step further. I want like freedom onion soup and I want like <laughs> I want like a freedom dip. <laughs> Freedom Onion Soup oh, is like, that should be a band name. Freedom Onion Soup. I'm obsessed with that. Hey, Dan, do you want to start the uh, the run into the ground band called Freedom Onion Soup? Freedom Onion Soup. I can't see how that could go wrong. It's uh, like techno With, with Nisa's pop punk voice, I think we got ourselves a hit. So. <laughs> Which oh, I, sh- I wish I saved that I in the group. I was looking for freedom, <laughs> but I only got onion soup. I only got onion soup. Yeah, I'm so I happy it. we have that recorded forever. <laughs> that's it. the clip for the week. <laughs> yeah, not like, only I'm going to start my own band, and that's going to be <laughs> the thing I play. I'm going to put music behind that. It. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to sample that on a keyboard and play it in different keys. And I don't know why I can't stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it. like it's kind of like when you do any uh, like any accent for too long, and then. <laughs> It you know snowballs into losing friends and family. Over it. I don't have oh, yeah. any. I don't no. have any uh, firsthand experience in that. Of course, it sounds not. like something that could happen. I um, am a chronic impersonator. I uh, grew up with parents who have accents. Oh, and classic! And I 
have spent my entire life doing impressions of them. And now <laughs> I've come to this point where I've realized it's my love language. Like I do impressions <laughs> of everyone around me who I love. Oh my God. Um, it's, so it's, it's flattering. So I can't well, wait just, to hear our impression, your impressions of us. I know. That would, and as, that would assume that she likes us. That I mean, time will tell. We, you, you'll only... have to earn those stripes. But <laughs> my, it's to the point where my mom will be recalling something that she said. And then she'll be like, oh, Nisa, you do it. And I'm like, mom, like you said it, though. Like you just do it. And, then she, and she's like, oh, but you do it better. And I'm like, wow. Like I, that's a high compliment. If I can do you better than you can do you you that's I'll, pretty I'll funny take that. <laughs> i uh <laughs> i love that yeah me and my roommate are big uh love island uk fans like oh, wow. strictly strictly just for the just for the british slang and the weird shit they say all the time i i hate the british accent oh i, I it's really i love it. i love the slang you know, though that's why i what? can't watch their shows the, um, I would love. So I would absolutely watch a Love Island though. France, though. Love Island France would be insane. That'd be kinky. I'd be into it. You know, it would be wild. <laughs> yeah. What were you saying, Andrew? I'm saying yeah, there's I'm sorry, so many Andrew. variations, though. Yeah, apologize to me. <laughs> we just bulldozed over you trying to <laughs> yeah, right. enter the conversation. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. So thanks for inviting me here. Um, <laughs> No, well, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of variations to, to the French accent because all I ever hear is like, <laughs> but I find some of the British accents to be very endearing. Like there's, um, there's like a coastal accent, hmm. like Cornwall. Very oh, beautiful. Yeah. There, there's also Geordie, which is considered to be like the worst accent. Wait, like, can you guys accents. do them? Because I don't know what the no, I can't do them. <laughs> <laughs> just do it, damn it! Yeah, right. well, just do it. I, I, uh, I can do. I can, can do Indian, like... and I can do. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> we will not be exploring that any further. One hundred percent, no. Uh, do I, it, I don't. Do no it. way. I don't. Um, every accent I do ends up sounding the same. It's like a mix of like Indian and. I don't know. It's terrible. I'll I'll send you a, I'll send you an audio clip. I'm gonna off Andrew. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a documentary. It's called The Problem with the Poo. I think you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it might be enlightening as a Simpsons fan. Uh, yeah. No. There was there's one uh, one person on the season that we just finished of, of Love Island where she had like a heavy uh, a heavy Irish accent, and mm. there was one guy on the show called Marvin. She was like Marvin Marvin, ain't that the truth? And <laughs> she'd say truth Aww. instead of truth. And, I like uh, the Irish accent. The Irish accent's pretty good. Yeah, Marvin. They, the, like, the tr- it's, gotta find out the truth. I like like Australian and Kiwi too. Australian is a hard Australian accent. Australian is tough. I can't do it. I, yeah. I wish, that's one of the ones I I really just can't do, but I love it. Yeah, when I when I worked in Williamsburg, I worked for Australians, and uh, we had an Australian on this very podcast. This very podcast, it's true. <laughs> Um, it's Who a bad accent. <laughs> We're bringing the world together here. Uh, I like, I believe, I like, you're our first Albanian guest, so thank you for for gracing thank us. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yes. I'm, a tra- I'm a trailblazer. I'm truly here. I like the Swedish accent a lot. Oh yeah. Um, their language. I think everybody. Cute. Yeah, I think everybody just sounds like 
the most like honest and uh, the only frame of reference I have is, is the Swedish chef from the Muppets. <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily what they sound like. It's not um, far off. You know, ABBA. <laughs> have you ever listened to an ABBA interview? Oh my Never god! Never an interview. ABBA. Oh my god! I'm a big Daniel. Ace of Base fan. Where are they from? Uh, Germany. That 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 would. I know. I uh, someone tried to cancel me on Facebook a few years ago uh, because on. I said I liked ABBA, and they're like, you know, their bassist was a Nazi, right? And I'm like, God damn it! Let me have one thing. It's always something. <laughs> it's, it's always there's always got to be some like Nazi like three times removed on like the maternal side like somewhere. yeah like there's always got to be something no well, we don't know those nazis have... right everyone's got a nazi they know ace of base was <laughs> swedish you are correct okay cool so i love ace of base i remember i was i one forgive time... them <laughs> <laughs> there was like a halloween one time and my friend and i and the this guy joe and then this other guy um so a group of four of us went to this friend of the pod, to, Joe. Shout out Joe. <laughs> Shout out to Joe. <laughs> Joe, from, Joe from Jersey. Oh, um, what part of Jersey? North Jersey, town uh, called bad. Leonia. That's oh, where that's where from. you're from. Mm-hmm. We haven't even talked about the Jersey. We have oh, a lot of Jersey people on this fucking. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm down to get into a Jersey chat because Ooh. I love Jersey. I'm a Jersey defender. Okay, so let's quick finish whatever the fuck we're so talking we get to about the important right now stuff. so we can get to Disco Fries. <laughs> <laughs> disco Fries? Yeah, girl. Also, Wait, I don't think I know what that is. Wow. Also, if I, I'm expecting you to say Taylor Ham, and I'm not going to stand for it. And I won't this either. Is I'm be sorry. Wonderful. This is the pork roll pod. Yeah, we're pro cases around here. <laughs> Um, My pork roll has a first name. It's C A S E. Wait, are you doing the Oscar Mayer song? With yeah, I don't think Kate, I don't think I don't think Trenton Cases Pork Roll has their own song. But I'm down to clown. Are you? you are you wait, from Andrew, original are you or from, tangy? Are you from Jersey? Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! Oh, you're you're both. For, I knew Dan was. I, I would yeah. not do a podcast with anybody else. So, so if you if you think about the French flag for a second, that represents <laughs> oh, bringing it all back. That represents the three of us: the South, the Middle, and the North. Yeah, I'm from Central. Oh, and you're from South Jersey. I'm from South. Yeah, I grew up like what 20 part? minutes outside of Philly. Oh, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Explains my terrible. I've accent. never been to Philly. Wow. Get out of here. Yeah. Philly's the greatest don't, city on don't earth. Don't start now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really do have to make it out there. I've heard such wonderful things about it. And there's like, there seems to be like a cool punk scene out there. And Yeah, great pop punk scene. Yeah. Every, um, every, every woman who's ever moved to Philly has immediately like shaved the side of their head and, uh, and got really into the drum circle. <laughs> At least oh, in my experience. I, I don't know. Get Those here. are the kinds of girls I want to hang out with. But yeah. Every, uh, Never mind. I don't. I realize I don't know many girls now. <laughs> That's like anyone I ever I know, know who goes to Berlin, like comes back always bald. Oh my god! Like, everyone that, gets bald after like, Berlin. It's, by, it's the only way choice. to get in the Burkane, you know. Yeah, everyone's bald in Berlin. It's a thing. <laughs> That's that's my hot take for this episode. Wow. Canceled. Uh, get back to your story with friend of the pod, Joe, from Jersey. Oh. Old Jersey Joe. Oh, yeah. So we go to we go to um, my one of my beloved uh, downtown bars, St. Dymphna's. And um, we're just all drinking and drinking and drinking. And Joe's getting, like, drunk and drunk. And then this, like, 
I can't remember what the song was, but it was like fully like metal. Like it was just full on, like clearly a metal track. And Joe, for some reason, just goes, is this ABBA? It's really loud, like really loud, like to a song that's really clearly not ABBA. And that just becomes like the running joke of the night. Like we all just lose our shit over this. And then we're all going to like this house party in Brooklyn. And as we're walking and we're all, you know, shit faced by this point. And as we're walking down the hall to go to the door, we all go, no matter what is playing in that place, when we walk in, we all have to go. Is this ABBA at the same time? And we walked in and there was some hip hop playing and we all were just like, is this ABBA? <laughs> and it was one of my favorite entrances I think I've ever made into a party ever. Oh and God. I still think of it anytime I ever hear ABBA mentioned in any capacity. I just, my brain just goes, is this ABBA? <laughs> Unfortunately for you, that's going to be my new thing. So <laughs> I'm so fucking excited for it's this. It's just the best. Like, cause it's like ABBA is so distinct and so like, honestly annoying. And it's mm. just funny to think of like, any like you know tribe called quest playing and you're like is this ABBA? <laughs> yeah. like, it's just it just works for anything like it's just so good i can add it i can add it to my my ever-growing list of bits that i've started <laughs> that um, you haven't started that you've stolen no no that I'm, no <laughs> list of bits yeah, you've stolen <laughs> Um, Other people's bits. Yeah, this will be the I guess the first of the of the stolen bits, but um I've gotten really comfortable writing emails and like group messages and stuff uh with the greeting hello friends and enemies. Um Wait, who who did that one? Who'd you steal that from? Uh there was a there was a meme that was not a meme. That wasn't a meme, but it was a thing that had a bunch of uh, non-gendered greetings, and one of them was <laughs> "Hi, friends and enemies." Uh, another good one was "Listen up, fives. A ten is talking," <laughs> which clearly. Oh my God, that's my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's amazing. Listen up, fives. A ten is talking. I'm going to say yeah. that to my boss tomorrow. That's amazing. <laughs> <You got> <laughs> Um, that's hilarious. I, I tried it at work once and it didn't didn't go over quite. <laughs> no, I got a bunch of. I got, I got a bunch of. I got, yeah, I work with uh, much older people. Oh Although my god! Although I'm sort of uh, old as fuck. Do too. you just say like "Okay, boomer" to them all the time and stuff like that? <laughs> I like, haven't. What's the vibe? But the one of the one of the women there was talking about how somebody called her a Karen and like could not let it go. And, uh, oh my god! What a Karen move of her i know and i <laughs> sort of like so elbow good. i elbow my like 60 year old co-worker and i was like you know i think she's really on to something here man like, <laughs> you better listen up and he's like he's like i don't know her name is not karen and i'm like i'm never leaving this place this is the most <laughs> pure office experience ever oh my um, god imagine just knowing someone who isn't poisoned by the internet can you imagine no the dream <laughs> That is wild. I don't know, but then you meet them and you're like, you're boring. Yeah, I can't I can't be weird with you. <laughs> like millennials are more fun. <laughs> oh man. And then like Gen Z, I don't know if you guys have like any Gen Zers in your life, but very like, few. I've, I've come around to those cats because at first I was like, I don't really get the Gen Z thing. Like they just seem kind of, yeah, like poisoned by the internet. Like they've never yeah. known anything different. And like, they just have this like weird humor. And then, and then it just all clicked one day. And I was like, 
they're fucking brilliant. They're like little <laughs> geniuses. Like their humor is so psychotic. Yeah. Like it's bonkers. Like their memes are like the most cryptic, ironic, like <laughs> self-referential, like obscure memes, like with like pixelated graphics like it's just so good like i'm obsessed with gen z it's yeah they're like it's it's very postmodern it's so postmodern they're also so over it like they're just like i feel like every generation prior to gen z was like to in conversation with the generation previous to them they were like you guys fuck this up and fuck you guys and like gen z is like and and I feel like they were like other generations are like you guys fuck this up fuck you guys and this is how we can make this better and then Gen Z is just like you guys fuck this up but also none of this really exists like none of it <laughs> nothing is real. matters and you guys are idiots because you think that this whole system is like a thing and it's like not a thing <laughs> like it's a thing because you made it a thing and it's like yeah they're so brilliant like they're like this there's like this essential nihilism i feel like to the gen z so mentality um do you know uh who yogi budgen is no um it was like a cult centered around a a certain kind of yoga in the uh there's a lot of those there really is i guess like probably early 70s um i you know, I was like 20 then, so I saw the whole thing firsthand. But um, I was watching a, a thing about Vice thing about it yesterday, and I was mm-hmm. talking to one of my friends about how I felt like every generation is just like a direct reaction to like the previous decade, and it just mm-hmm. like continues. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was like trying to prove me wrong, and I was just like, "Have you have you tried to talk to somebody who's like 18 years old? Like mm-hmm. I can't understand." anything anymore like yeah they they have like their own patois i love it (laughs) it's it's amazing it's intimidating because i'm like i'm the older model like yeah by like two decades you know Um, and you used to not be that so i used to know i would say that up until like you know i was day we were talking about this i kept saying i was 35 when i was living in in bushwick but the truth was i was like 37 which is <laughs> you know obviously worse but you know even then i was like i'm so out of touch like i i don't understand mm. this at all um and it's it's great you know wait you lost me there. It's great Wait. being out of touch. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> there's feeling something comforting like, about it. It's it. There's a great <laughs> feeling that like the the group two below, like they've got it. I don't have to worry about my future. They'll figure mm. it out for me, sort of. <laughs> I'm just along for the ride. Is that okay? Like, yeah, I'm I'm in your hands. Like, <laughs> but I think re- that that mentality is the exact reason why Gen Z hates everyone. <laughs> <sighs> They're like you guys are so selfish like you just went out like fucked up the ozone layer and now you're right. like take care of me like, yeah <laughs> you know? i'm 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 gonna start a campaign to talk directly to 20 year olds and say please get rid of my student loan debt <laughs> whatever you have they to do just, as of today they just extended it even more did you guys oh, see that man. they deferred the payments for like oh, another yeah. year so they keep coming so Good. close to that line though every time so close. <laughs> in just, the 11th hour they fix it i just feel like it's this funny thing where it's like no one wants to deal with it like biden doesn't want to deal with it like no one really wants to deal with it so they just keep like 
procrastinating like everyone's collective student loan debt which is kind of fascinating to watch i think what they should just do at this point is say you know go on go on tv or like leak some national documents that say like oh man like i really hope that no foreign hostile foreign entity hacks our system and gets rid of all the student loan debt that would be terrible (laughs) and i hope maybe maybe some wild russian will do it yeah Please, it's the only thing connecting me to America is my like hundred and nineteen thousand dollars worth of debt. Yeah, like this yeah. close to fifty. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden Durden is gonna take his Project Mayhem team and 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 take down a bunch of uh, debt co- companies in, in Delaware. That sucks. That sucks so bad that you just said that. <laughs> Oh man, it's, it's getting dark in here, man. Somebody turn on the bright lights. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got some things to talk about still. Uh, so I was thinking, is it? Can I become a toothpick guy again? That's something that's been racking my brain lately. I was becoming. I was on the road to being a toothpick guy. Like after pandi- dinners. Well, like just like walking around with a nice, like, like, like a nice tea tree peppermint no. toothpick. No, nope. I got nope. the good. Do you toothpicks. do? Do you do the one blunt end? Oh yeah, one blonde okay. end, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the good ones. Sure. And then, you know, but it's a nice minty toothpick. Uh No, don't no, don't. I, I was Sorry. I was being a, I, was I have a, I have you're you're really barking up the wrong tree over here because listen, I have a lot of strong opinions about what men should and should not be doing and I want to hear all of them. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little of that on the uh, on any, the on the episode on, with uh I promised I'd mention her on the podcast, but Pamela, <laughs> our mutual friend Pamela. She did not ask for a shout out. She I did. Love, I love she that. I, I ran into her. We're neighbors and I was in a totally different neighborhood, actually in Bushwick yesterday. And I ran into Pam. Like we are just cosmically magnetized. She's yeah. my BFF. But yeah, yeah, that's how we met is our, our which is weird because I, I think I told you I met Pamela in a weird way, too. I like walked in we we have so much to talk about that oh, we're not even I close to talking about yeah and oh, i need yeah, more wait, we, we do we need to like actually like meet each other <laughs> <laughs> oh like, so actually so, funny enough we need oh, to meet each other right a now. little a little uh yeah a little homework i guess a little little uh um housekeeping rather is there was a girl pamela <laughs> who uh, worked at I Need More, which was Jimmy Webb's store. We've talked about it on this podcast a few times. Our, our previous guest, Hans, used to work at Kim's Music and Video on St. Mark's back in the day. Oh, amazing. And so amazing. We, we, of course, talked about Jimmy, and, and he used to come into Kim's to get change all the time for Josh and Vaudeville. And, That's so Jimmy. And uh, I love that. But yeah, so... I went into I Need More because I knew Jimmy through working at the uh, at the photo gallery. Mm. And I remember walking in and looking at the new like Godless book at the time, my friend Nick. And yes, I yeah. asked Pamela if I could take her photo. <laughs> and I have this photo of Pamela. And then later, she started working at the gallery. Yes. And I was like, wait a second. How do I know you? Like, Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I met you like two years previous. And then I met you. When with Pamela at Marcel's art show, yeah, and Pam uh, and I met at I Need More. We were coworkers. Y- you work there as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's so. I, I had no idea until I heard you talk about it on the podcast. And I like put the pieces together. But uh, oh yeah, that was yeah. I remember a big you had a, you had like red cowboy boots on at the <laughs> at the gallery show, and I was like, 
very that, subtle. That this sounds, girl gets it. Yeah, I wear. I have a lot of boots. Um, that sounds about right. Nice. Yeah, I met. I met Pam. At I need more. We just like fell in love. I always say to her, I'm like, I think the biggest blessing that Jimmy ever gave me was like you. you oh know? my god! <laughs> it's like I know. I'm like such a. It's over the top, but it's like it really is true. I mean, like it's um, it's pretty magical when you like get a new best friend in your yeah. life. Yeah. I feel like Jimmy she, was good you know. for that. Jimmy he just was had amazing such an energy that. that like just brought good people around, you know? Yeah. And that store was just like a real microcosm. Like oh. we just we just had like this amazing little reality in that shop and we just spent hours in there with these pink Jimmy pink walls and it was uh, it was fun for me too because I felt like I was around a lot of folks who are like very much part like the New York like scene yeah like the well, rock and roll scene the punk scene people like, like jimmy like just don't exist anymore like there won't be oh, new yeah, people I mean, like jimmy <laughs> you I know mean, Jim, yeah jimmy jimmy's like jimmy's untouchable jimmy was one of a kind jimmy was larger than life he was just fucking wild and funny and he said reckless shit all the time and it just made me laugh and but i like i don't know but then jimmy and i like he really just like went home and watched Bonanza afterward, you know, like, it was <laughs> really? just like, yeah, it's like this cool thing where it's like, when no one was around, like, you know, he was like, put on like Donna Summer, like he wanted to hear disco and he wanted to go home and like watch Bonanza. And like, I don't know, I just feel like it's be- this beautiful thing of like, we always put people on boxes because of like what they look like or what yeah. scene they're associated with. But people's like interests and like the things that they draw inspiration from are so complicated and so beautiful and wide ranging. And I like, I like that about Jimmy. We bonded over cinema too. He was like a big like film head, which I feel like people don't know about him, but yeah, he that, loved, that's like, awesome. He loved like Alain Delon and like all these just like old French like cinema stars. And he was really well versed in that way. So like I got to nerd out with him on that. That's aspect. so cool. Yeah, he was the best. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, what a, what a void left in the world. Yeah, a real loss, the, I think. So what you're saying though is toothpicks are out? <laughs> toothpicks are out. <laughs> <laughs> Toothpicks are out. No, I don't like, know. No, you're not Clint Eastwood having to wear a mask into town right now. No, because <sighs> I, I I was on a uh, oh yeah with a, a mask. Where are you going? You stupid. Well, that's the thing. Mask. The mask. The mask really <laughs> really really fucked up the toothpick uh, toothpick game. You know. But uh, yeah. So okay. What are well, give me the do's and don'ts then? Because I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm a ship without a without a rudder. Well, if you finish a meal, no, no, you then. I want the do's and don'ts. The toothpicks we know are out. And for for Nisa, toothpicks are gone. But what she said, she had many opinions on what guys should do. Oh yeah, so give I, me an opinion. Yeah, we need some. We need notes. <laughs> well, I, for can sure. I can I ask you? Andrew's a quick... married already, so no, 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 he on, needs fewer a, notes. But I have an important. Yeah, I have an important question from somebody who like it lives in a major city. Um, because yeah. this does not feel like a major city. <laughs> yeah, um, so is it bad to like have a joint out front of like a bar with everybody smoking cigarettes? It's like, it is that like, what is this guy's deal, or it's is little, that just like gauche? Is it? I don't know. I don't. I don't really know the politics of that. I feel like. Mostly when people are smoking in front of a bar, it's cigarettes. 
Right. I frankly, I'm still it's still kind of like fascinating to me that like weed is like legal here. Right. Like that I'm still cuz I was also like in California, I believe. I was living in LA when it became legalized over here. And so like I came back to town and it was legal and then that was like it's just been like like seeing CBD stores and stuff like that and like right. dispensaries so, in New York it's so is so fucking is, tacky. <laughs> it's it's just weird like it's not like I kind of I'm like it's kind of it was cool when it was illegal. Yeah, yeah. They took <laughs> all the fun out of it. Like, like now it's so square. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. I, it, it just occurred to me how like ugly the stain of dispensaries are going to look. Like that's going to be the new like neighborhood. Every neighborhood's going to need one. Yeah, you're going to have a like, pizza shop, a nail salon, and a CBD store. Yeah, like when's when's the first. Um, like when's Roberta's going to open up a dispensary right next door? Oh you know God. what I mean? Like that's what I feel like. I'm sure there's do. one already. <laughs> right. But I'm, I, I guess I'm like intrigued by how far is it going to go? You know, like, are they, right. are, is like, MDMA going to become legalized? Is psilocybin going to become legalized? Like, I mean, I feel like it's, it's only a matter of time for, for psilocybin, you know? Hmm. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, there's. It's, it's like, so... are we going to become like you know more Netherlands esque in that right way? I mean, I don't know. I think fifteen years from now, when everybody like seventy and up is gone, or like no longer in government. Yeah, Bye, Ugh, I don't know. I think that's never going to happen. <laughs> I feel like I feel like people who were parents when the war on drugs were starting, like people mm. who are who are sixty five right now. When that's kind of like past, right? Sure, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Drug culture is like kind of fascinating. It's something I was pondering quite a bit when I lived in LA because I ended up living next to a guy that I came to learn was cooking meth. Oh my god! And it oh, was that's safe for you. <laughs> it was really horrifying. Like I, I went through a lot living in that place, and like it was just so chaotic, and it was just. But it, it just, I think like, like for example, like I'm very seldom like scared in New York. Like that's not something I feel, you know. Even right. though I live in like New York, like a major right. city that kind of has like a infamous reputation, but it's like, it's like. Because, like, everyone's on, like, downers, you know? People, like, the East Coast is, like, the opioid crisis. Like, people right. are on, like, you know, heroin and Oxycontin. And then you go to L.A. and, like, they're all on fucking meth. Like, they're all on <laughs> amphetamines. And, like, it's, like, a, like, it's just a scarier city because, like, you'll look at some woman just, like, walking down the street and you, like, see the crazy eyes, like, the crazy meth eyes. And you're like, wow, you could just, like, kill me right now. Like, I have no clue what you're capable of. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, I think it's fascinating to see how it kind of, like, impacts, like, the homeless population and just, like, the, I don't know, a lot of the, the culture and the vibe of the city of, I feel like is affected by the type of drug that that city is using. You know, having just myself returned from the left coast, um, 
It was it was one of the bigger things that dawned on me when I was like walking around. It's a thing. Not not so much Encinitas, mind you, but like <laughs> you know, walking around San Diego or walking around yeah. LA and just yeah. seeing like the the poverty there is just different. It's, like yeah, and it's 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 uh, it's striking. I, right, it has a hundred percent to do with the weather, but it also like you know the the drugs everybody's taking is different. Um, you know, there, I feel like there's more encampments. Like, you know, mm. I was in, it was in Venice beach, no big deal. Um, but there were like <laughs> whole blocks that were, you know, just tense. Oh yeah. Um, Ven- yeah. Venice is. And I feel like I don't see that here, you know? Yeah. No, it was, it was something that was just so, so shocking to me when I was living out there. It was just like. Because I, I think also because I'd always been this kind of person that was like, oh, like L.A., it's got no grit, you know, like that was right. always kind of like New York. I love New York. Like it's gritty. And then I moved to L.A. and I was like, this shit is terrifying. Right. I'm scared <laughs> a lot of the time. And uh, yeah, so I think L.A. Would, is grittier in certain ways. than New would, York. would you say meth is a, something a guy should do or shouldn't do? <laughs> <laughs> I... Okay, honestly, for the teeth alone, I would say it's a no. Like, the meth teeth are not a cute look. Um, It's bad. And I would say... say a guy has it all together, right? <laughs> like, hold on. I've, I've never seen it, but no. okay, we'll go with this no, hypothetical. But, no. So, uh, remove the drug part, right? Second. The functioning you know, meth addict. He's a he. He lives, uh, you know, in Greenpoint. Owns a car. <laughs> pays for a parking spot. Sexy. Like, um, no attachment to animals. Only because he's traveling so much. <laughs> Uh, okay, very glamorous. You know what I mean? Uh, but like but like works a job and just lives above the line he needs to like have the lifestyle. You know okay. what I mean? Sounds okay. Also like right before right right before you go to leave the house, he's like he's like, Nisa, sweetie, just give me a second. I have to smoke a rock. So do, does that then does like the lifestyle and knowing that he can keep it together negate the fact that he's like smoking crack? Yeah, I would say that I am not in the market like, for a functioning you, crack addict. Yeah, I would say that that might be a, if you like I don't want to take the crack addict home to my dad. You know, if and, you like, met this unicorn of people. You're saying it's funny because you're like unicorn, but I'm like I feel like every finance guy in New York is that guy. Oh, probably. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure anyone who works on Wall Street is exactly what you just described. <laughs> well, Wall Street sounds terrible. It's, it's a bad place. I don't. I have a friend who's like, um, she's a childhood friends, childhood friend, and her life just took her a different path than mine did. And she is like fully immersed in like the finance world and like her whole friend circle is like finance bros. And I cannot tell you how much of like a dissociating out of body experience I have every time I'm like around her friend. Like I'm so the token artist girl that it's like, it's actually like unbelievable. (laughs) 
Like it's, I just don't just know like, how to yo, relate to them. Oh, they, yo, the way they so talk, bizarre. they all I heard you look like the art same. And shit. Yeah, they have like the same haircut. Like they all talk the same. Like it's so weird, and they're all like they're all the same height too. It's just really bizarre. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get finance guys. I can't. Everybody's to them. wearing a, a Patagonia fleece vest. Oh, that's yeah. a that's an official. Or is that over now? That's an official Nisa. Don't don't be a finance guy. Okay, so no straight up lifestyle bro. erased. So but Done. so crack crack. Crack's not off the table yet. No, I crack was fully off the table. You're just okay. hearing what you want to hear, Andrew. It's, it's true. What is Andrew point? telling us right now? Is he? Uh, no. Are you I'm trying to validate your own no. issues? I'm like, no. I was pretty explicit there. So at this point, it's just getting personal. Oh man. So yeah, we got. Don't be a finance bro. Don't smoke crack or meth. The big two. <laughs> Everything else, fair game. Toothpicks? Oh, toothpicks are out too. They're up there with math. Okay, I would say do pay for the first date. Always. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always. You would be surprised. Oh, I, I, with younger guys. I have no denying. I have a, my, yeah, my roommate is a stories. woman and I've heard plenty. It's insane. It's outrageous. Like, I have. Because the thing is, like, the thing is, you'll always offer. Like, if you're with a girl that's like, you know, a nice girl. She's always gonna like reach for her Sh- wallet. Oh yeah, sure. You should never let her pay. <laughs> like it's just because the thing is, for me, is like if you're letting me pay on the first date, very specifically the first date, yeah, then yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, so it's we're not having a second date. Like that's just <laughs> that all went out out the d- window. So I would say that would be a tip. Which hopefully goes without saying, but I have learned that it does not. Yeah, I've learned very much uh, from from my roommate going out on different dates and things. It's like, yeah, there's nothing that's shocking anymore. (laughs) It's so sad. The state of affairs is tragic for straight women. But is it like because... It ain't much Dude. better for straight men out here either. So I don't. I actually don't believe that. I think you guys have a lot of more like quality I, th- options than women do. That's I that's wild. That. I don't know about that. So actually, funny funny story that actually, um, very weird duality of things going on in my life. Where, so, a few months ago, last I think it was last summer, I was mm. featured on like a prominent Jersey City blog. As mm-hmm. a babe of Jersey City. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Have you heard this a million times, Andrew? It's my no, first, it's just, but Andrew looks it's triggered. Such, well, no, no. I'll, I'll tell you where I'm getting with it. It's such a punishing ah, thing to hear. It was, it was po- a point of pride for me, honestly. I mean, <laughs> no, I was honest, being sure. featured as a babe of, of the city I live. But I think that's amazing. What's so funny, though, is it led to zero dates, but it landed me like a wedding gig like someone from kansas city found what? that site looking for a wedding photographer in jersey city and loved my work and hired me to shoot a wedding in the fall that is what incredibly random odds. it's so bizarre that is incredibly uh, but random. here's here's now the flip side of that mm-hmm. i uh since i have my new book coming out i paid for an instagram sponsored ad like mm-hmm. like a fool um but I had a woman who I used to talk to on a dating app like two years ago reach out telling me (laughs) that she saw my sponsored ad and then all of a sudden got real comfortable asking me how I've been. And I'm like, 
How did those two things correlate? So a thing that's meant to get me dates got me a job, and a thing that's supposed to pay, make oh, me money got me got you <laughs> like, that oh, is I a see. possible I date. Think that's I see really the, interesting. I see the yin, the yin, <laughs> the yin and the yang. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but it's, it's this weird thing that's been racking my brain. <laughs> it's so weird. Very Wait, so interesting. What's the status with the girl that reached out with um? Sponsored ad. Uh, she's currently at home recovering from back surgery, so not much is happening at this very moment. Okay. There's something that I need. I feel like There's... a lot of people are having back surgery. It's, these it's days. just like a classic thing to do, you know. Just like <laughs> you get to a certain age, you just Wait, sign how for back old surgery. Is this person? <laughs> I think yeah, she's a little Dan, older than me. What's going on We're, over there? You know, hey, hey, it's back surgery, not hip surgery. Okay? What? what? <laughs> What would you say their AARP status yeah, I'm, I'm is? Yeah, I'm nursing my girlfriend back to health after her. She she recently fell and broke her hip, but it's okay. You know, I've, I've been trying so to get her to eat those calcium supplements all the ladies love. You know, <laughs> something that everyone should know right now is that Dan is doing very well with the ladies. Am I? That is not. Oh, do not throw wow. that out into the universe. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm give proud me the of real you, tea, Andrew. Every every mm-hmm. day you give me you give me hope that one. Day you will be okay. Um, I I live. Andrew I has live seen in, me very not okay. I live in constant fear of you dying alone. I'm sure that's not. I'm sure that doesn't bother what is you. Going on? But it keeps me up at night, and I just want you to be happy. Wait, you guys, this is like the cutest romance moment ever. This is horrifying. Wait, Andrew, how'd you meet your wife? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so I had done this photo game. He's been waiting an hour <laughs> for you to ask him that. No, um, I met my wife in the most uh, teenage movie way possible. Um, we were both at a party, and she was wasted. I'm sweating and, right now. <laughs> uh, you'll be okay. Um, it's okay. It's just I love. Hope. It's uh, just love. So I, you know, I saw her and, uh, I kept trying to get her attention. Um, at one point she was like in another room and I was like leaning back in my chair and fell out of my chair. Um, I'm, t- I'm telling you, this I've is heard like, this story. no, this, <laughs> this is, is like so corny romance movie shit. Uh, but like comedy, I'm Vince Vaughn. Um, And then I followed her in the kitchen. She was having a conversation with somebody and I was leaning up against the stove uh, and then like turn the stove on by like fidgeting. Yeah. It was, and did it you was, burn yourself? No, but it was I, on. I picture like a, like a slapstick eighties movie right. where you like I mean, accidentally close. like dip your face into the fryer and then you right. lean on the griddle. Yeah, there's a there's an element of uh, Home Alone to this, I suppose, <laughs> but. She, uh, yeah, I, you know, and I just couldn't get her attention. Um, and I ended up leaving because, uh, you know, I'm not a party guy. Um, wait, so how'd you guys like connect? Like, how'd you, oh, like, well, he sent the text message, like, oh, sorry, sorry at the party, but like, no, it was afraid I, well, to say hi. I, I started following her on Instagram. Um, and, uh, then one day she sent me a meme. And that's how we started talking. Wow. Yeah. Very Gen Z of you. I love yeah. that. And that's I, so Gen Z. I love you that. Know, I asked her out uh, for the first time uh, on Instagram 
direct message and she asked me if I was asking her out on Instagram direct message. And then she sent me her phone number. And that was really a really great moment for me. Slid into those DMs like Deion Sanders. I love that. Head first. Can I tell you, we had a New York moment. um, Because I moved to New York like to to live with her but before i moved i would go back and forth a lot and uh we were at black seed bagel and you know on her break from work her her cool fashion job mm-hmm. and she's like annoyed i was the first time it was also sticks out to me because it was the first time i ever ordered a pizza bagel which is such <laughs> a fucked up thing to admit being <laughs> from new jersey but it's forever burned in my memory of like taking my first bite of also a messy food to eat if we can bring it back it's a risky um risky choice i was like mid bite and she was like so are you my boyfriend or what Oh, wow. So, yeah, I like her attitude. That was my She's New York like, moment. Let's get it done. Yeah. That was my <laughs> Let's New York lock moment. it in. Like cheese and like pepperoni grease and like all in my mustache. I love that. Was a, that. I mean, that's New very York cute. Moment. I find that very sweet and endearing. Man. I like that story. I also I think feel like, memes I feel and like music are like amazing ways to connect. Oh, uh, <laughs> have you listened to any of our run into the ground curated playlists? Oh, my God. No, I haven't. <sighs> A lot, lot of I pop know. punk on there. Yeah, I think that's like where you guys alienate me. Like With the, the actual punk, music. That's, that's what the, the pop punk. That's we where don't I listen to that much pop punk. And I don't I like think there's any that much. That much. That there's much. still a little that comes through, okay? We're all human here, you know? I just, it's such a Jersey thing because I feel it, like people from other parts of the country, like pop punk is just like so Actually, niche. Like it's can not. Can you do me, Nisa? Can you do me a favor, real quick? Can you just define pop punk for me? I want to make sure. And don't use the meme of, that we sent earlier. <laughs> no, there's a lot of different that meme. I think that meme actually does get it down. There's pat. a huge spectrum of things that I would call pop punk, and I want to know what your definition is. It's. I don't know that I have like a like a fixed definition. It's for like what porn. Makes you some... know it when you see it. A- you exactly. Know? <laughs> no, that's actually exactly. It. Also, like, like porn, Subway. It's so for me, like it just oh. hits my ears at this angle. That's like uh-huh. so. Oh, those distinct. angular guitars. <laughs> it's mm, so distinct. It like I, I just. It's like that voice. It's like that voice. She's doing it again. Like, it's just that annoying. It's like, think of the most annoying voice in the world. I can. And then put like a corny, really corny, like guitar riff under it. Like, okay. Not Now you're getting personal. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, so you've essentially just described our podcast. Continue. (laughs) And then, and then give it a name that's like, a phrase like it's oh. like like and give it give it a name that hat that has a verb like for some reason like band names have verbs in them and true uh, it's like chasing someone or like Ooh. running for something yeah <laughs> i think we just named some bands yeah <laughs> run into the ground and like yeah and you put that all together put that in a blender and you've got yourself like a really annoying pop punk band that's gonna go to it's warp true. tour and irritate the fuck out of nisa you gotta so. uh you gotta hate your hometown you gotta really <laughs> you also love have to pizza. love it too as well yeah miss yeah. your friends you gotta love your friends but hate your hometown yeah. love your friends hate your hometown 
fall really in love with a girl when you're like 16. The girl's like older than you and breaks your heart really hard. Oh, and yeah, it's going to yeah. take um, you about a decade to recover. That, I've been there. And then you're, you're going to become like the ill fuck boy to other women just to spite this one girl that hurt you when you were like 16. Okay, you're yeah, you're not <laughs> still not that far off. No, I'm like I know the brand, like I know the pop punk brand. I, know I it have well. a brand. <laughs> Let me ask you, how does my brand do? You you don't really strike me as like pop punk, but then oh god, know. thank you so much. Yeah, my my alkaline trio like tattoo. Guy, thanks but... you so much. <laughs> my uh, uh, what other band tattoos do I have? Do you have like I only like the I that's why I picked the record I picked. I have a pop it's punk the tattoo. Only music <laughs> referential tattoo. I mean, I have yeah, I definitely I have a uh, I have an alkaline trio tattoo. I have. Don't you have a hot water music tattoo? I don't know. Oh. You would think that I would think. Um, I have a minor threat sheep. Classic. I have the minor threats, not like pop. pop no, 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 no. I'm so much worse. Music tattoos. Um, <laughs> I have black flag bars. Of hidden. course, of that's course. Um, I've got a shell. I've got a shelter tattoo. Oh my god! From my my uh, Krishna phase. Classic. Wait, can I ask a really dumb question? You hit me. Because I had forgotten about this band, and for some reason, they popped into my head the other day. What category do you guys place AFI in? Ooh, that's tough. Yo, yeah, I, they, I they go, weren't pop punk. No, I mean they were, they were hardcore originally. They were like grouped into hardcore, right? Uh, and then with like Sing the Sorrow, they went kind of into like the same genre as like the Used, which would be like radio metal. It yeah, had like a like, gothy moment. Yeah, it was right. very. It was like kind of more in the goth realm, like almost. But it yeah. didn't feel. It didn't feel like real. It was. Yeah, it was. It was like a very specific genre within itself of like radio, like aggressive yeah. radio music. I think the yeah. only yeah. the only AFI record I ever cared about was Black Sails in the Sunset. I mean, that's a classic because it felt like like cartoon, like theater kid Satanists. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of kind of the same way that. that that like the first My Chemical Romance record was, and same with like uh, the mid era Alkaline Trio stuff. You know. Wait, why do we put My you Chemical what, Romance though? in? I don't. I don't put. Um, I don't put Alkaline Trio in that same category though. But like, but like the like. What good morning? That record very much like, I mean, like weird, yeah, it spooky, gets, it gets, hardcore. It does. You know? It gets spooky corny, punk. but like for some reason, it feels like I don't know. Like the brand is stronger. <laughs> I, um, I think you just have. It feels like more like a legacy brand. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean, but yeah, there's a lot of that. It like went into that same category of like what people called like three and a half wave emo you know <laughs> do you know do you know what it is and i'm, I'm now that i'm thinking about alkaline trio now that i got alk3 on the brain um <laughs> i fucking hate it so i think it's because they didn't only sing about that like there was like three types of alkaline trio songs like song about drinking song about girl song about satan 
<laughs> like, I think they spin a wheel when they write a new one. I think they all are very similar. Do they do? Are they still together? I think so. Yeah. Because what's his name is in Blink One Eighty Two. I don't. Now? I think he's like in and out of Blink One Eighty Two. He's, Wait, he's got a Blink, lot of shit going on. Blink-182 is still a thing? Yeah, Yo, but the singer, but Matt Skiba took over Tom DeLonge's role in Blink-182. What? Is a, you don't... Rep- unhinged. What? It's crazy. It doesn't make you sense. Just, you don't have Blink-182 without Tom DeLonge. I didn't know they That's were still like making music. That's crazy. Yo, I was at a wedding on... We and it's still like get Travis the, we, Barker and everything? Like I, the I other think guys so, are but, still there? Yeah. It's crazy. We didn't even talk about the scene reports this week. We're so far Wait, gone. Wait, hold on. I just want to ask one I was at a wedding though where they did play "I Miss You" by Blink, which was bizarre. At a wedding, at a that's wedding. depressing as fuck. it was weird. <laughs> as a um, leading into the scene report, I want I want you guys to think about like the how how that how that vibe changes when you plug different people into that Tom DeLonge role. Like, <laughs> okay, I imagine like, this like experiment. imagine a, a version of Blink Radio Two where Chris Conley is is uh is Tom DeLonge. Okay, I feel like it's closer than it, Matt Skiba. It's probably closer than Matt Skiba. You're right. Like, imagine the world though that Blake Schwartzenbach is. <laughs> I don't is know. Tom <laughs> That's you're going further out. Yeah, I feel like the the weird thing he about has Matt, a present. The thing of thing about Matt Skiba uh being in Blink is he actually hit the right notes that Tom couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so hearing That's those funny. songs felt like like dissonant just for the fact that you're not used to hearing him singing key <laughs> and Matt Skiba can. Yeah, but like sorta. Matt Skiba's not a great singer. He's better than Tom DeLong, but that was like the charm I mean, of Tom DeLong, you know? Tom DeLonge does have a lot of charm. He, he really does. He does. His current he does. his current beliefs are my favorite part of Tom DeLonge. Uh, so we gotta we gotta I don't know do something with this podcast at the moment. Andrew, give us the the lightning fast scene report so we can actually talk about the record. Right? Okay, here an we go. An hour and fifteen minutes. Here into we go. This uh, on Friday, I got I got drunk with uh, with friend and guest of the pod, Joe Morrow, and we went and saw. The Get Up Kids and Jawbreaker and everyone was old. Like everyone <laughs> that I knew when I was 17 years old was at this show. Uh, it looked like, you know, some people age better than me. Not many, if I can be honest. Um, you know, but it was it was it was great to see the crew. Um, that's about it. Uh, skip forward. I went to my first show in Baltimore. Ooh, I really? guess that's not true. No. Now I guess I saw stuff at. That's true. <laughs> I ha- this is not my first show in Baltimore. <laughs> anyway, uh, I went and saw Wild Pink, future Ooh. guest of the pod, uh, John Ross, yeah. love, and love Wild Pink, and it was it was amazing. Like they played it as a three piece. The songs sounded sort of the same. They played that new song, Cue de Gras. New song's um, real good, and it's like you know the, on. On that record, it's like heavy, um, but you know, in person, it was just—it was so good. It felt just like vibes are spot on. I love that. It yeah, was, it's just a glowing. You know, John can do no wrong. So He's a, an amazing songwriter. Quick, quick additional question. Uh, well, yeah, I shot a wedding. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we talked about the wedding trifecta before, right? Have we talked about that on this podcast? Not that I know of. All right, we'll talk about it another time. 
I got plenty of weddings this season. <laughs> he's gonna he's just gonna drop that. That's an Easter egg yeah. for the future. Yeah, well, I'm like, what? I wanna know what the yeah. wedding trifecta is. Oh yeah. man. All right. Well, uh, real quick, the wedding trifecta is um Don't Stop Believing, Living on a Prayer, oh, and Shook yeah. Me All Night Long. Oh. And it's like the um, the shitty DJ bag of tricks. Yeah, it's the shitty DJ bag of tricks. Uh I it, it started as a joke years ago. I've been shooting weddings for over a decade now, but uh, it, it's one of those things where DJs kind of pull it out of their ass towards the end of the night, and it's like an easy get everyone drunk on the dance floor song. Uh, but it's especially cursed when they play them all three in a row. Ooh. And this wedding played Shook Me All Night Long and Living on a Prayer back to back, and I could feel it in my bones that... Oh, no. Don't stop believing was coming up, oh, no. and then someone hit with oh, like an eleventh no. hour request for the last song of the night, and saved it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it, I I remember it's a running gag with me and the this wedding photographer I've been working with for years, and uh, we literally like across the room throw up like a one when the song comes on, <laughs> and then like two will come by and we'll be like two, <laughs> and then three will hit at almost always, and it's it's just like a cursed cursed thing man you guys should do like a workplace buddy comedy <laughs> me and the 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 50 year old man i shoot weddings with all the time yeah, yeah i should make like I a sketch series he's a, he's yeah a, he's a can, good man he's a, can you help us out he's a great I'm guy down. let's sell this yeah yeah <laughs> so uh nisa what are you listening to these days what is Ooh. your musical taste because i'm i'm unsure okay i am a like a music fiend um i am very very into can i give you just like does it need to be these days or just in general i feel like you don't know my music in general so yeah I feel like I i'm saying what f- what's in your what's in your spotify recent searches okay oh. so you want the recent yeah like okay. what do you yeah so recent okay let me actually let me pull up because yeah who knows i want direct evidence <laughs> yeah i'm like who knows what's gonna be in here i actually listen to a lot of podcasts Oh my god, my recents are really chaotic, you guys. Hell yeah. That's the name okay. of the game. Okay, literally, I have... <laughs> I feel like you're not going to believe me, but then also it's too good to make up. The Cajun Queen by Jimmy Dean. I don't even know what that is. The Sausage Man? You know, like man? Jimmy... Yeah, literally, The Sausage <laughs> Man made... The Sausage Man made music, and it's fucking oh, amazing. And he made wow. this... He made this song called The Cajun Queen, and I actually think it's one of one of the greatest stories ever told through song. Like wow. I'm obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> Clearly you haven't heard Albuquerque by Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a yarn. I also so I recently had my friend Cindy um Hulage on my podcast and Great I had episode. her thank you i had her make uh because she was just like dropping like references left and right and i was just like you need to make a playlist for this episode so i've been listening to her playlist and it put me on to the sadies never listened to them awesome they're really good and so i've been listening to the song the most despicable man alive Mm, Um, daniel very like western (laughs) wow i'm glad that you've you've tried to force canon that it's a song about me (laughs) yeah the in parentheses it says uh the toothpick guy (laughs) 
<laughs> Former I, toothpick guy. <laughs> I also had this strange resurgence of Chris Isaac in my life. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like listening to like Chris Isaac B-sides for no reason. Like no one. I don't know what compelled this part of me, but that's been happening. It's really chaotic. Um, okay. Also, you know, Apex Twin, Alberto Bassam. Like that. Classic. So... Uh, a friend of the pod, Joe Morrow, and I were talking about uh, Aphex Twin recently, and it blows my mind that like other people listen to this. Oh, it was recently oh, Avril 14th, everyone. No, but I've been listening to this guy who does like acoustic covers of Aphex Twin, which is crazy. That's like, it's, that's wild. It's chaotic. What? Like I don't know what goes on in my brain. It's fucked up up here. Like, but that I, I've been listening to that. I love the Dillinger Escape Plan cover of "Come to Daddy" with Mike Patton. That's classic. I've never I heard, haven't that. heard that. Ooh, either. it's good. It's from okay, the uh, Under the Running Board EP. So good. What? Also, Are you not familiar? No, I th- was it on the seven inch. Uh, it was on th- the th- it was on the EP they did with Mike Patton. That wasn't under the running board. Under the running board. Oh, oh, uh, uh, irony is was, de- would... irony is a dead scene. Is right, what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay, that's totally different. It's vaguely different. Uh, it's a completely different band at that point. <laughs> well, it's a different singer. But yeah, that's a. Yeah. Uh, it's like crazy. It's crazy. You keep skipping, and I can't yeah, hear stop it. Stop skipping, Dan. Give me an aneurysm. I stopped at the boring part. <laughs> He's like, let me skip to the outro. <laughs> yeah. Here, there we go. It was also the intro to CKY three, I think, which is where I originally heard it. This is Mike Patton from, uh, well, every band ever, but Mr. Bumble and Faith No More. Classic. Thanks. It's got a, like, unhinged energy to it. Oh, that's still under escape plan, and and Mike Patton as a whole, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. All right. Should we get into the record? (laughs) We were talking about band tattoos. I do have a, yes. I do have some bad band tattoos uh, as well. So, but we don't need to get into that. We can skip right ahead to Nisa's tattoo about <laughs> Interpol's "Turn on the Bright Lights." Depression. We made it, you guys. Yeah, we got actually, this might I've be been... a record of pre-album talk in terms of length. I'm into <laughs> distance. It. I've been listening to the album on repeat in anticipation of this conversation, and it's, like, been depressing. I don't yeah. know. It's, like, somber. I don't know. This record really, like, it, it, it really, like, just twists this, like, knife in me. Like, it's Yo, really emotional for me, this record. And so if, it's been masochistic if, preparing for this uh, episode. That's, it that's feels every really, really. It feels really, really good in like a really, really bad way. 
it, yeah. it's like it's like it's the kind of music where if you're the kind of person that listens to sad music when you're sad which i am in that camp i don't listen to happy music when i'm sad i just like to like wallow i, so, I listen to sad music almost exclusively yeah i, I would say exclusively <laughs> no matter what the uh no matter what the occasion <laughs> that definitely seems on brand um but I think it's like that kind of thing where it's the kind of record that's like really satisfying when you're like going through something or you're like in a melancholy kind of phase of your life. Um, I don't know. It just means the world to me. I just love this record. And I love that era of indie. Like that was the thing when you when you asked me to come on this, I was like, I feel like I don't I feel like I'm not like. I don't know. Like I, I'm like I don't know a lot of the bands you guys talk about. You know, like but I'm no, like I, that's a good thing though. Yeah, you, I mean, you were you were like in, like vaguely insecure about suggesting this record. You're like very quickly like, oh, it could be something else, and I'm like, no, this yeah. is perfect. No, like this, this is, is a, perfect. This is great. Because that's like that's really what like I grew up on was like the the New York indie scene of like the early 2000s and and like the Strokes, Interpol, yeah, mm. yeah, yeahs. LCD sound system and then just like in general that's I mean like the white stripes like not New York but very much like the early 2000s like indie rock scene like for me that is like the end all be all like meet me in the bathroom vibes like that whole kind of era we were talking about Andrew's reading the book as we speak I'm reading it right now I started reading it it? it's so good I'm so excited for the documentary is it out I know it I think it it was, yeah, it was doing like the festival circuit. I don't think it's out yet, but I'm dying dying to see it. I was actually just looking up. Did you go to the Meet Me in the Bathroom exhibit at The Hole when that was on a few years ago? No, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. It had... Uh, when was, was it like a photo exhibit? It was everything. Uh, oh, shit. Was it? It, was sep- it was September, early September 2019. And oh, yeah, like it had right all the stuff. The it had like the cover of the Yeah Yeah Yeahs album. It had stuff from like Nick Zinner. It had stuff from Paul Banks. Oh, uh, it had like the Interpol amazing. antics neon sign was there. That's amazing. A bunch of Fuck, Ryan McGinley I art. Wish I'd known. Yeah. Oh, Ryan McGinley. I love Ryan McGinley. I do too. I uh, do too. Yeah, it was like it had like some Harmony Corinne stuff. Uh, it had the Strokes like album cover with the 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 leather glove. Yeah. Uh yeah. it was cool. It was cool, but it was like all that stuff from when the book came out at the whole like on display, which was That's really cool. amazing. I have FOMO. I wish yeah. I'd known about it that. It was a good that show. Sounds, that sounds amazing. But yeah, it was a very specific time in New York. And I, I was telling Andrew on the phone earlier, it was actually very mm-hmm. funny. Um when I was cause, I mean, two thousand two I was a freshman in high school, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh I remember I was working at a grocery store where, like, someone who worked in produce would always brag that their cousin was, like, the Strokes manager. <laughs> and oh, wow. I re- and then I I went... Uh, one of the first jobs I did for the Morrison Hotel Gallery was a book signing for the guy who was, like, the Strokes photographer. And oh. he was there, and one of the Strokes guys was there. Uh, and I remember asking them, like, oh do you know this guy so-and-so and And they're like no (laughs) 
So it was like all a lie. It was so funny. That's so trash. What a wild thing that's to awful. lie about. It was, but that's I mean, a wild it, thing to lie. It's, it's so specific too. I know. I like, know. That's it was, it was very up. funny. They're like, yeah, we have no idea who this person is. And I'm like, that's um, hilarious. That is really uh, hilarious. Are you familiar with the uh, hit metalcore band The Bled? I am. I am uh, not. Member of, speaking of little, little not truths, I, Ross from The Bled once told me that he was dating the uh, the girl on the Godsmack cover. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, good for him. I love when I actually like meet people. Like I ask them really, I really weird. Hope, now these, that I just questions. put that out. Now that I just put that out in the world, I really hope that I I remember that correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, when I met Debbie, Debbie Mazar, I asked her like about her cookbook. <laughs> Oh my god! I Which she was probably her. more happy to talk about than her like acting. So it's probably for the better. I love her. I would have I would have punished her with uh with Empire Records questions. Oh, I know. I wanted to so bad, but instead I'm like, oh, my roommate has your cookbook on our microwave. <laughs> What's Tuscany like? <laughs> she loves it's me. Amazing. She comments on my Instagram occasionally. <laughs> She follows you? She doesn't, but when I post pictures of her, she usually comments on it. I do have some we, we, we don't need to talk about this. We talked about this last episode. Okay. <laughs> Famous Instagram followers. We don't need to get back into that. Um <laughs> But yeah, so this record, uh like where were you when this came out? Did you like hear it in two thousand two <laughs> like when it baby. first came out? <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm young. Um Are no, you? yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. No, I'm twenty five. Good gravy. Yeah. So I was quite literally like five years old when Toronto the Bright Lights came on, came out. Um, yeah. I, I, no wonder dis- you, you relate to Zoomers. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like one incognito. Um, yeah. No, I, I uh, discovered this record when I was, I think, in like middle school. And it's a heavy record for a middle schooler. Oh, and it hit, it just hit all the right spots. <laughs> I, we, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. The idea Wait, of Andrews? Like, I, I feel like I lost Andrew. Uh, I don't, no, was it my I'm age? Good. Is that what I, did it? I, <laughs> At what I point wanted, did I lose you, Andrew? <laughs> I wanted to interject and say, well, the first time I heard this was when it came out when I was 21 years old. <laughs> I feel so bad about myself. <laughs> No, it's too late. I'm like, I wish I could have like gone to like, I don't know, like shows in those Mm. years. Like, I'm just, I have so much FOMO about that era of music and like live shows. But um, it's truly when New York was cool, you know. And and when I was 21, I was too Philly and very anti New York, so Um, I missed most of it. Um, the only reason I, I knew Interpol was because MTV or possibly MTV2 used, I think, New York City as an intro for like an ad for a show. Hmm. And, the, and the, the commercial was just like kids panning kids or like teenagers, not kids, laying on like the hood of a car staring at stars and it's like slowly panning up and it's like the most ethereal thing. You're describing Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. (laughs) Right. So that was later, right? That movie? 
I mean, yeah. it was later than 2002. Oh, yeah, for right. sure. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. we're talking. Michael Sarah wasn't until like 2008. I'm curious now if that's like on uh, the playlist at all, like on on the actual playlist. <laughs> what uh, if Interpol's on Nick and Nora's playlist? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's like in the movie. No, it was a different time. Also. They were they were talking about bands like Bishop Allen and stuff. Yeah, yeah actually, I'm looking at it now, and yeah, like uh, Vampire Weekend, right? Uh, yeah, Vampire yeah. Bernhardt. Like, yeah, yeah, it's that we are era, scientists, yeah. band of horses. Yeah. Okay, so right. it's like the, yeah. the the generation after. Yeah, yeah, but it's only that was 2008. The movie came out, so it's not that yeah. far out of the out of the realm. Yeah, but it feels totally different. Like there was a really New York different changes feeling. like every five years. Yeah, I, but I'm not. I'm just talking about music in general, and I don't. I don't want to get too heavy about it, but like, I think there was a lot of stuff that came out right after 9/11 that was a lot different. You know, like this record, a, a really different. Yeah, like tone. this record. Yeah. Yeah, right. like this record. Yeah, like this How many one. Times are you gonna say like, this <laughs> like the thing we're talking about, Andrew. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. You fucking too. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So you heard this in middle school. You're like, yeah, the subway is a porno, and you really Wait, connect. With actually, it. I have like a really embarrassing. Combi- I've never said this to anyone because it's. Oh like my god, so, we got an exclusive. Oh I know god. it's. You're really getting a niece exclusive. It's so nerdy and embarrassing, but like, I loved this record so much, and I wanted to understand it so bad. And I remember I had this teacher, Mr. Weinberg, in middle school, who adored me. He was my social studies teacher. He was a hard ass. He was mean to everyone except me. And I remember I printed out. I can't. This is so bad. I printed out the lyrics of this <laughs> We've record. All been there. I printed them out and went to Mr. Weinberg one day and was like. Can you help me understand? <laughs> oh my god. Wait, that is like the purest thing I've ever heard in my know, entire it's, life. It's so like wholesome and embarrassing. <laughs> I like I was like it was like I treated it like an iambic pentameter. Like I literally was like let's annotate this shit wow. right now. And I remember I remember going through Leif Erikson with him. Like for some reason that song really like resonated with me. It was so beautiful. And I rem oh God, Mr. Weinberg. I remember being like um her love's a pony, my love subliminal. And I didn't know what the word subliminal meant. I had never like heard that. And it was just interesting being like sitting with this guy and him being like you know, well, what's a pony? Like, like a pony is playful and a pony is fleeting and a pony, you know, and he's like, so her love is this like fun, joyful, playful thing. It's not so deep. His love's subliminal. And then he taught me what the word subliminal meant. And like, I don't know why that always stuck out to me. And like the words of that song always kind of just stayed with me. And, um, I don't know, that record just always kind of lived inside me. And then I'm, and then I'm like 18 years old. And one day I just like not planned, not something I thought about at all. I was like, I'm getting rabid glow, like Braille to the night tattooed on me. Wow. <laughs> it's just a record, which is a, a line from that record. 
and um I go and I get it and it's it's so weird it's like my most private tattoo like it's in a private like part like it's not a part of my body that you would see when I'm like just walking around the world it's like a tattoo that I don't like really tell people I have like I just don't really talk about it because because the thing is you say because then people are like oh what is it? and then you're like rabbit glow like braille to the night and then people are like what the fuck does that mean and it's like well, how, how do I start you don't want to have the addendum conversation with yeah that. exactly it's like it's like I'm like, I don't know. That's like what I want my life to be. Like, I want my life to be a rabid glow. That's like Braille to the night. I want my life to be this like chaotic, like, you know, triumphant thing that somehow illuminates the darkness. Like that feels right to me, you know? And, but how do you even, like, that's the thing about music and like the way music resonates with the receiver of it is like, how do you even begin to like explain that to a person so you just don't because yeah. that would ju- that would just be a fool's errand you know and then and then one day i'm walking around new york and in college and i notice this handsome guy beside me right by a crosswalk where i'm about i'm waiting to cross and i realized that's fucking paul banks <laughs> wow and it was just this like out of what was he wearing he <laughs> I know, right? I I can't remember. It was something I just remember him being like it was very low key. Like he was wearing his sunglasses. It was like all dark dark colors, like nothing flashy, like very kind of just like low key outfit. But I just, you know, I'm such a fan. Of course I knew who it was. And then I just had this like existential moment where I was like, I have this man's words tattooed on my body. And he doesn't even know. He doesn't even, you know, like it was just so, it was just so like, I don't know how to explain it. It was the most alienating, bizarre experience. I was like, I'm just standing behind him and I know who he is and he doesn't know who I am. And I have his words on me forever and he doesn't know. And I'm, and I was like, and I'm not going to tell him, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tap on his shoulder and be like, I'm such a fan. Cause that wouldn't even, cause, cause that's when it hit me. I was like, it's not even about him. It's not even about Interpol. It's like what those words mean for me. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, sure. it's like, it's been alchemized by me and it's not, it doesn't even belong to him anymore. And it's that like, was like a wild thing to feel, you know? Right. It's like all my, uh, Ruby Cower tattoos. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I I have a much more disastrous band tattoo experience. So I'm glad you have a positive one. Oh, what's yours? Wait, Tell me. Yeah. Oh, Hold I have a uh, I have fight off your demons like right around my Ooh. chest here, collar rocker. Oh wow, that's super yeah, conspicuous. You're, you're yeah, tough. but it's a uh, it's a reference to the band Brand New, mm-hmm. who uh, <laughs> whose singer got caught up uh, talking to underage girls online so oh, shit, <laughs> not really? as great a great a story that's for sure you know, and then the other oh, wow. the other tattoo i have is a reference to friends of the pod who banned me from their shows for a time <laughs> a pop punk Wait, band why'd no they less ban you? oh why? that's a long story because i was uh because they thought What'd that they do? were oh i was <laughs> i put up a print store uh, like when i was super broke at a college of live photos of the band and uh it was up for 36 hours and their manager messaged me saying that they i didn't have the the right to sell their image and likeness 
Which what is a narc. not true because I do as an artist I can sell them. Uh, what a narc. Pop punk bands don't understand how that works, and then they banned me from their shows for for uh, selling prints of them. Which, like I said, I didn't sell anything. The store was up like thirty six hours. And, and like I said, pop punk sucks. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, there's a reason I got out of that world. But yeah, I have a I have a, a tattoo of that band that also got later reattributed to an Avril Lavigne song. So I have an Avril Lavigne tattoo instead. Ooh. <laughs> wow but yeah i mean come to the avril lavigne side we're really glad <laughs> I, I was you. old school 2002 i was listening to avril lavigne okay <laughs> that was right around the time let go came out and that album rips <laughs> <laughs> but, i was joking you are not. I, I am not nor will i ever uh yeah, Another so, anecdote attached to turn on the bright lights uh, that I feel like I need to say. Uh, go for this, it. Is that when I was a teenager, a big part of like my summer socializing was going to House of Vans. I don't know if you guys ever went I, to I shows never went. Once. Oh, oh man. no, it was an era. It was, it was amazing. It was the best. It was, it was honestly best. one of the best nights of my life. Literally, it was like every night you ever spent at House of Band House of Vance was like Fuck. the best night. For people who don't know, House of Vance was just like this venue. It was it was like an indoor skate park basically that was owned by Vans, like the shoe company, skate company Vans. Um and every summer for some reason they put on these series of shows that were completely free and they gave you free booze like the whole and thing was, wow. and it was the and the bands best. were so fucking insane so the, those good. shows they would put together oh my god it was so well curated they would come up with a lineup and they would release it they would in like the spring they would release these are all the shows these are the dates right. it would be like you know seven shows for the summer and it, you just knew they were going to be the seven fucking best shows of the summer and that was just like a keystone of my teenage experience was going to house of vans meeting up with friends there meeting new people there like i it was just the best thing and it was such a big part of my like teenage summers you know oh and man i a couple yeah. years ago i learned that house of vans is gonna close and i'm like Ooh. depressed about it like i was like the end of a fucking era like it's over i was so sad i think it was my senior year of college and and then i find out that interpol is closing out house of vans wow. and i was like I need to get on this. Like there's and the RSVP closes in seconds. Like I could I literally was like on the button and it sold out and I was devastated. I had never seen Interpol live. And the reason I never saw Interpol live was because they only played like these stadiums and I'm I'm very anti like stadium rock. Like I yeah. do not want to see my favorite band in a stadium. Like I just don't I don't like the experience of music in like msg or like you know like i just for me i'd rather yeah. be at home alone like I, I like smaller venues i like medium and like intimate venues so i just avoid big big shows like like arena shows basically at, at any cost anyway so i'm devastated about this the day of the show my roommate texts me and she's like her boyfriend at the time she's like he's he's doing this he's working the stage for the show tonight she's like um any 
you know, she didn't even know I was an Interpol fan. She was just like, would you be down to go like House of Ants closing night? I was like, yes, I'm fucking down to go. This is all I want to do. Like, yeah. So I fucking, so I'm like, yeah, I have my ticket. And I'm like, I go and like, it was so, it was so spiritual for me that I had to be alone. Like I couldn't even stand with her. I just ended up like literally being like by myself in like the back of the crowd, just like crying. <laughs> just crying. Cause like just hearing like Interpol play NYC in House of Vans the night that it closed. Like it just felt so like it was like en- a culmination en- of everything. Everything all at once. Everything in my life. It was just so profound and it just it was it. It was it. It was the end. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's this record was one I feel like I got more associated with Interpol when Antics came out. I think that hit closer oh, to like because at that time I was around the age of like i would go to new york city all the time and i used to go to st mark's place because that's where the punks were you know yeah and uh but i remember like watching the video for slow hands like on mtv2 on a loop all the time i love Uh, that song it's great but it's uh it was one of those things that like i i have a lot of friends who are obsessed with this record especially when like the 15 year anniversary came out and people were going nuts Mm. and it just like never quite clicked and I realized it's like, I mean, like most things, it's all about context. And mm. I listened to it driving home from the Jersey Shore from the wedding uh, on Sunday and like listened to this like at night. Like, I think this is definitely a nighttime record, if that makes sense. I think so, too. And so like I driving at so. night and then like coming over the bridge, like seeing the New York skyline while hearing this record like it all made sense and it was very funny uh (laughs) a woman called me on the on the on the way home and i literally was like hey listen i need to listen to this record now or it'll never make sense to me (laughs) why do you want to stay celibate what is fucking no i love that i like podcast reigns supreme i was like if i don't if i don't listen to this now it's never gonna click You're like, I'm sorry, but Nisa is now the woman in my life, and this record is our love song. Can you imagine being so lucky? It was, uh, yeah, it was literally... I'll I'll leave you guys alone. I have a kid upstairs. I'll see you guys later. But yeah, literally, it was... But, like, the thing is, it worked. Like, it literally did make sense in that moment. You know, it was very much, and, like... It was also like, yeah, let me be alone and be sad with this record, you know? Well, that's part of why I love it is, like, it's very atmospheric. Yeah. Like, well, it's not a concept album, per se. But it feels I, it feels like a movie playing out. Like, yeah. it, feels it feels like scenes. Exactly. It feels like, it feels like cinema and, to And me. this is something uh, on one of our previous episodes with Hans, he talked about, like, he, like, really cracked the code on emo music mm. of, like, this is music that makes the mundane seem romantic and like Mm. he like he you know he's like the whole idea of like driving in your car Mm. is so you know but it it feels like a movie like this sounds like the soundtrack to your life music like this is music you put on while you're doing other things that makes it feel like it adds importance to or weight to like whatever you're doing and you could it's kind of the opposite you know it's kind of like it's not it's not music that makes you feel like you're in a movie it's music that you are in a movie 
<laughs> and that's playing in the background. Mm-hmm. It's like if you were watching a highlight reel of your life, mm. this is what will be playing in the background. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Something like that. I also feel like, and this might be the romantic in me, but I remember like, I don't know. It's like a record that's come to me in moments when I really needed it. And I remember like seeing someone who was like really cold and like detached and it was like very painful saga for me. And somehow like hearing Paul Banks (laughs) kind of be a jerk in a lot of this, like his lyrics, like in talking about like, especially when it comes to like romantic and like sexual kind of like lyrics, I almost felt like I understood like I understood the relationship more like I I could I could understand like my partner's like mindset more and like the apathy element of it and so it's interesting how like music can also just help you make sense of things that are like hurtful and not just in a not just in a moping like oh like I feel comforted because this music is like sad and I'm it's moping with me kind of way but in a oh, this music is coming, is being generated by someone who has a totally different perspective than I do. Yeah. And, and, and this music is somehow feels more like the person I'm in love with than it feels like me. And it's helping me understand that person and my positioning with them. Yeah, no, that makes, makes a lot of sense in terms of just, yeah, just how different people perceive different events that more or less everyone kind of goes through, you know? I think that's kind of a general, like, a thing with music in general, that, like, it is, like, a universal, like, I'm trying to think the best way to go about it. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of, like, the reaction to, like, universal experiences. And it really shows. And, like, when you find the one that kind of matches yours, when you don't think anyone else kind of feels the same way. And a lot of it's probably projection by most people. But, like oh, someone else is also feeling these feelings that I have no other context for, you know? And there's something about that that's so unifying and so, like, you know, feeling understood. Because it's things that you don't talk about. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, things that, uh, you know, and and it's, I, a lot of the stuff is just so basic that it's stuff you wouldn't talk about regardless. Um, But to hear somebody else sort of, like, explain it for you yeah probably well, better there was that one uh it's on a later in a poll record but uh they have that song that talks about when you like order from the taco bell mobile app and you get to the window and they don't understand how <laughs> drive throughs work oh, you <laughs> fucking had me you that, i know she had me too that's fucked up i was really following you that's really as you were up. going i was like oh my god that's me oh my god that's me <laughs> talk about drive Eight tacos, Diablo sauce. <laughs> Holy shit. That's amazing. Daniel. That's amazing. That was a really great way to break up that heaviness. Yeah, so, well done. That's the name I of the game. Quick, I have a quick songwriting note, if I may. <laughs> um, I uh, My note is guitars easy, bass hard, drums fun. <laughs> um, I think that sums it up pretty well. Interpol baselines. Right. I'm sure you're aware, but I sent it to Dan um, that Carlos wanted to call the record celebrated baselines of the future. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, that really like reminded me of uh, what the the throbbing gristle record 
Uh, they're like big one. Uh, what the fuck is it called? Oh, uh, <laughs> twenty jazz funk greats. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Like that's very, a great ja- oh, album title. So good, for, especially for a throbbing gristle record. You know, <laughs> but I love, I love that kind of like tongue in cheek like album. I mean, actually coming from uh, the Dangler man himself, probably not that tongue in cheek, but he's very serious. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a it's a insane funny thing to say. Yeah, it's funnier that they even considered it. Um, <laughs> that it was even there's on the like table. shocking humor on this record. Think about the intro for Stella, like that weird accent. Stella like, was a diver and she's weird. always down. Like yeah. that's hilarious. Well, I don't know if it was supposed to be serious. I, it came across I, to me as a, I saw like, that on. I think it's humor. I was I was yeah. looking at the. Uh, the the genius lyrics page on this and apparently he says it with a mouthful of ice and that's why his voice sounds so weird and they're oh. like oh that makes sense and they're like oh it it's like actually ice. like incredible that this actually made the record <laughs> like we just kept it in and then we just never took it out and it's it's wild that it's there well it's great and like that innuendo of it and yeah like, oh just yeah all right. of, and how it ties into the song i mean like I just think every song on this record is like perfect. I really do. Like, well, I I think "Untitled" is one of the greatest oh, it's album a good intro. intro tracks. It's like, such a good intro, literally ever. Like, and it's funny because tying into what we're saying about you know resonating with lyrics, even more profound in a way is like to resonate with like just a melody. Like, yeah, because mm-hmm. I hear "Untitled" and I'm like fuck how did he know like how did he know like that's exactly what it feels it's very interesting and i feel like it's definitely not a thing that happens these days because like recording equipment or the access to recording is so easy to get a hold of i mean you know Hmm. we're recording on equipment right now and it didn't you know wasn't too much of an undertaking to get it uh and you know you can record shit on your phone like it's not hard for a band to cut a demo or something like this but Mm. interpol was a band for five years before they made this record and Mm. they said that like we literally like the way they described it reminded me of like a comedian who goes to like open mics and like tries Mm. stuff out and they're like yeah we just played clubs for five years just figuring it out that's amazing. Yeah. That does not happen anymore. Yeah, and it's like, like nowadays yeah. it's like you're a band for 15 minutes and you cut a you cut a record. Yeah, like, you have your EP. Yeah, yeah and like, and so there we go. Yeah, we just played clubs around New York for five years before we even like put this down. And that song Untitled was their like intro to their set. You know, and I think that's yeah. such a, like I I love a band intro. I think it's like very underrated. Because yeah. it really does like set the tone. It and sets it, the tone. I mean, I was I was in like a hardcore band back in the day, and like having an intro song, just like you know, you just see people like running from one, like the pit opens up, you see people yeah. swinging from like you know, you know, left to right, and it really gets the crowd like ready for what's gonna happen, you yeah. know. And I feel yeah. like you know, even in this context, it's like the same deal. You know, yeah. they hear those first opening notes, pits opening up, people are getting crowd killed. And then they're hitting obstacle one, and it's it's uh you know it's it's game time. Well, you know, it, yeah. it makes me think about uh, my old band, the band that did the uh, the intro, or that we stole the intro from. I never asked them. <laughs> um, we used to do, depending on the show, we used to do um, like the fir- the intro and first verse of like a cover. Okay. Um, as like the first song, I mean, just for the fun, but also like what better way 
to like make sure people come in from the bar and thinking they're about to hear a cover band. <laughs> Instead, they gotta listen to this dickhead. Um, what was your intro like, song? Oh, it changed all the time. Oh, okay. Did like the Pixies for a little bit. Not important, Dan. <laughs> um, I love the Pixies. So <laughs> my next, my next note uh, about this record, if I may. <clears throat> uh, they used the Rob Gordon mixtape version of sequencing. Go on. Do, uh, did you see High Fidelity? Yeah. Yes. We're at the end. He's talking about like rules to a good mixtape. Like you have your opener and then like you kick it up a notch and then you bring it back down. Oh, and that's the way this record starts. This is a very that. well sequenced record. It insanely is. well. Yeah. The, it's you, a good piece. The, the way the way this record's sequenced, it's made so that like you never get bored. Yeah. Like it's constantly changing. Because mm-hmm. even the slow to, song is like just long enough to like you're not about to skip. No. And then it ki- yeah. and then it kicks right in, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I love uh, back to like the the songwriting thing, like guitar wise. I mean, I love that the guitars are so simple. So uh, simple. And then like everything else kind of picks it up in the more complicated stuff. Like I think the drumming was a standout for me because it is like so much fun and it's like hmm. very simple but complicated enough to like kind of like trick your ear a little bit. And uh, I love in the new. I remember listening to this. I and love I'm, that song. And I'm just like, when he's, he's playing like a single note, and then the the pitch changes, and I'm like, is he detuning his guitar like mid-song? And I watched, there's like a oh, really like good- Oh, like towards the outro kind of part. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nah, 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 nah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love uh, that part. It's so sexy. Let's see if I can <laughs> find it. It's uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh. It like turns me on. I just find that part like on. Oh, yeah, so but I I watched the video. Uh, it was like the the 15 year video. There's like a nice little seven minute featurette kind of thing on YouTube, and they're talking about this record and they're doing they're cutting back between like some really well filmed live stuff, and I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, he's literally playing the guitar and detuning his tuning peg and then tuning it back up for that part. Oh. It's not like a pedal or anything, and I'm like, that's cool. Like that's something like oh, wow. I've thought about but never executed, you know, personally. Mm. And it's such a cool, like, weird thing you can do that's so simple, but, like, in a live setting, it's it's pretty wild. Uh, but I thought that was just, like, a really cool thing that caught my ear. Also, uh, the vocals on this, very, very post-punk for sure. But I was reading something about uh, when Blender, we all remember the, the publication Blender, uh, when they reviewed this album, they said the most wild thing I've ever seen. What? <laughs> they said... It's as almost as if Ian Curtis never hanged himself. And I thought that's the most that's insane thing crazy. to put into print. That's Jesus. a crazy thing to print. That's <laughs> fucked like, up. How did this I get mean, through like an listen, editor? Pe- people have been making like the Ian Curtis Paul Banks connection forever mm-hmm. and it's I get it and I also like agree obviously like there's totally a parallel and I love Joy Division. I love Ian Curtis and yeah. I fucking live for unknown pleasures like also, also a record with one of the greatest intros ever. Yeah, we've, we've all been on Tumblr. It's okay. <laughs> just, you, you know, it's love. actually... But that line is crazy. That's a crazy thing to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Uh, Turn on the Bright Lights feels like it should be more culturally iconic than it is. 
That's how I. Okay, I'm so glad someone. It's said like it. famously That's not commercially feel. successful. Because I, I, That's, I listen to this record I so agree. and it's. You know, I, you could easily mention this record with any other, like huge cultural statement, like. I'm trying to think of like who got it instead. Well, I mean, um, the Strokes. The Strokes uh, right. is this it? The like, Strokes. It's, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think and the like, Strokes are the ones that broke out of that era. I mean, they're all like famous right. as being within the scene together. Like, same with Yeah, Yeah, Yes. I mean, I would say Interpol is maybe more successful. No, I wouldn't. I guess Yeah, Yeah, yeah Yes actually had yeah, some yeah, breakouts yeah, too, you know? Successful for sure. Yeah. Uh, but. In terms of like consistency, I think Interpol beats all those bands. Uh, and they're slept on. Like I really feel like they're underrated. They have a and very like cult following. Would be like the best description uh, for like yeah. lack of a better word, you know? Because they are like very the, successful, but it's like in within this very kind of niche. It's this I mean, weird I'm thing a- where it's like I don't even bring Interpol up ever when I talk to people about music because I just assume they're not a fan. Like that's I crazy. just, and that's crazy. Like I'm like, it really is feels so significant to me, and feels so important to like the New York indie like scene of the past twenty years. And yet, it's like I don't even breach that conversation with someone because I'm like, I know that's gonna just be they're not they're either not gonna have listened to Interpol ever and don't know what I'm talking about. Or they're going to know who Interpol is, but they're going to feel like there's a million other bands that are more significant to them than Interpol. Like, it sounds to me like, like you got to hang out with some cooler people, you know? Hang out with some squares. I know. Like, I'll take you a step further, and I feel like Interpol should be, like, as significant as Radiohead. Oh, that's bold. Like That's bold. <laughs> it's just, it's such... And I love it. <laughs> it's, um... It's art without being like pretentious. Cause there's there's pretension to it, obviously. You can't dress like that all the time and not be like sort of pretentious. I would love to talk about how they dress. I I, I mean <laughs> That's a whole my other man, can of My man is me. wearing a t shirt as a sweater <laughs> vest behind me. Um, I I mentioned this photo to Dan earlier as like it's you wild. know, man, they were such like fashion and like in that sense too, cultural icons. And then my man pulls some bullshit like this. And it sort of makes me wonder you know he's out here living in, in, out, in 2032 over there you know right dan pointed out the Kamir video oh, the Kamir the, uh, wristwatch around the knuckles <laughs> the wristwatch and he's looking like a fucking uh win butler looking ass you know with his martin scorsese glasses and his, but like his at what scarf. point does your band like this record didn't have that obviously because it was like their career wasn't there yet. Yeah. But at what point do you have to start adding those elements so that you can like, you know, like what are the later records? Even like um, the Heimlich maneuver, mm. Heimlich maneuver. Yeah. Like you could never see that in like a club. Like that's an arena song or like that's a huge venue song. Yeah. Mm. Well, we've talked about how bands write for their venue. Like, it's right. a weird thing. Like looking saying. at like, these records is like you see their band progress and they see their sound change and it's like, oh no, mm. they're writing for bigger rooms. Like right. That's you need crazy. you need you need a record that, you know, isn't just a bunch of like you know, a hundred people crammed into a club. You need something that they're like, there's gonna be some people sitting in the back, you know? <laughs> like right. it's but, a different vibe. But there's songs there's songs on this record that I think span that whole spectrum. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like 
it's not you because of the simplicity of the guitars and stuff and I I just there like you could picture seeing this band like with with twenty other people yeah. sitting there. You know what I mean? Like in a in a hundred cap room. Um, but you could also picture hearing even the slowest songs like NYC, like you could picture hearing that in an arena and it would be just as powerful. Yeah. So it's like just, you know, defies explanation, I suppose. That's fair. I, you know, it's interesting when I think about Interpol, because I think why didn't, why haven't they become like the cultural icons? I feel like they kind of deserve to be. It's something I've pondered. And it's like, I'm very, I'm very intrigued by their like branding and their kind of self image. Cause it's very different than the other bands that they came up with. Like I, and I think of kind of what you were referencing this idea of like, they're like, they were like the men in suits, you know, they, they, they had this uniform that they wore this kind of formality that was so different than like the t-shirt blue jeans and converse high tops of but all the other bands that, at the time right. that kind of came though with the with that era of new york that they were in like all those like the strokes wore suits uh yeah, but no they really. didn't like well, they were the like, strokes was like converse well, high tops like they was, were right well no they, there was also like, for, like denim on editorial denim. well there was shoot, also like, that like we're like the the hives and the vines not from new york uh, well yeah but like it was still that weird era of like post-punk stuff where like there was that weird formality like the weird like clashing color shirt and tie look was like very prominent of that know. era I don't know that Interpol is a post-punk band. What? How would you describe it then? I don't. I honestly, I don't know. But we need to refer I, to that I meme again. <laughs> I know they feel but post-punk for me. I think I'm like definitely... a post. I'm a post-punk head, and like they, I feel like that's part of why like they really resonate with me is they have that post-punk joy division. Like something that was really wild that I found out like from reading that book uh this week was because mm. it was wild that those two things lined up at the same time by the way yeah wait like, i was gonna say did you to read record, it for me i was reading Andrew? it before no i was reading it before that's amazing um, yeah and it was just it's been wow you good know, time wild, oh my god like right um <laughs> but learning that like paul banks was like really only into hip hop. Like he was in sense. this case, he was playing. Oh, I love that. Like that he was playing music that he didn't listen to. And like, mm. we've talked about that on this podcast before. Like, but that this is just like the art version of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that shit. That's my jam. This was, yeah. this was also like that. that era where I think I, I said before, like New York changes like every five years in terms of like what's cool and what's not. And I think it really depends on what era of New York you've, like, lived in, you know? And this is, like, I think what a lot of people reflect back on is, like, when New York was cool, you know? Well, because, like, this was the era, right, where it was all about bands. And it was, like, New York was about going to see that the, band The club live. scene, yeah. Right. The music now, club now scene. Now it's New York is about DJs. New York is about, yeah. like, like going to deep house shows like it's it's about warehouses it's putting about, on your your nicest pair of fairy wings and going the house of yes yeah yeah like that's the scene like the scene is no longer bands in new york like when you go to like bands it's like it's <laughs> it's also it's a different sort vibe. of 
In the same way that it's insane to think about, like, that Interpol doesn't have the cultural pull that they do, that they should, um, it's also sort of inversely insane to think of, like, this record having such a huge mass appeal, you know what I mean, to, like, be that huge of a band sort of, like, immediately. Um, It was their debut record. Right. It's It's like, how do you, how do you nail it the first time? You know what I mean? This is like your third album, like concept. Again, they had, they had five years to workshop it. Right. You know? Yeah. What, what record label did this come out on? Matador? Yes. Because Matador turned them down every other time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then they finally were like, all right, they wore them down. But that's like. And you know, it's funny. It's like thinking of Paul Banks being like a hip hop head. That makes me think of like Nas and like Illmatic. Like that was Nas's first record. And like that is a literally perfect album. One of the greatest ever of any genre that's ever been made. It's just like beginning to end an incredibly just it's unbelievable. I have it on vinyl. I listen to it constantly and it's just, it blows my mind every time. I'm like, he was 19 years old and he made this. He made a literal classic. And Interpol, it's like, I don't know. I'm sure if Paul Banks is like a hip hop head and he's, you know, performing in the early 2000s, I'm sure he's a Nas fan and he's right. listening to shit like that and he's like, fuck, he did that first time out. Like, this has got, this has got a hit. Like, you know, he's like, I don't want a second chance. I want to do this right the first time. Well, uh, I'd like like to think that where (laughs) I love where, uh, Interpol crosses over probably more. So for me and Andrew is, uh, their original drummer who like left right before this album came out, uh, Mm. was in the band Sasha, which is like a legendary, like blueprint for screamo. Is that true? Oh. You said that. To yeah, me. no. Greg, uh, Greg I'm Drudy. Unfamiliar. Greg Drudy was the original drummer. Uh, he was in Sasha, and he left huh. Interpol to uh, form Hot Cross, which also rips, and uh, and run his record label Level Plane, which is like a super super influential New York screamo record label, hmm. uh, which is pretty wild. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's very wild that there's a connection to to Seisha and Level Plane. Yeah, listen to him. I'm unfamiliar. Uh, the, it's definitely a lot different than Interpol. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this I'm is sure. he wasn't on this record. He wasn't on the record, no. But he was the original. He was in the band for like five years. He left in 2000. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So he's in the band like three years. They also all met at NYU. And I went to NYU. Oh. And they all studied, I'm pretty sure, in NYU Paris. And I studied in Paris. Wow. So Another con- like did you, is say, that why you did these... those things? Or is it just a happy circumstance, coincidence? Mm-hmm. <laughs> little little ball. <laughs> Following him, Interpol's fun stuff. So I know. Next time you see him on the crosswalk, you can tell him that. I know. I know. I'll probably cover the tattoo one day. Really? <laughs> why? Yeah. It's funny. It's not it's nearly like, as embarrassing as the ones I have. So mine are too big to cover true. up, though. So I don't know why. It's Nothing's like, too big. I've Daniel. just always felt like it's meant. It's for some reason I've been like, oh, this tattoo's meant to transform. Like it's meant oh, to become something okay. else. One you got to scrawl over it with new lyrics. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like an image or oh, something. Oh man. So I think we we've been going so long. We we gotta start yeah, this wrapping is, this up. This, this is, is wild. Crazy. Uh I mean I'm having a great time. I'm glad we're all I still have notes. Do you? We... All right. We're No, no, it's fine. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's this is a wild one. It's it's two hours. Nobody is still listening. <laughs> <laughs> now we can say all of our deepest darkest secrets. Yeah, we'll put it behind a paywall. <laughs> Oh, like, that's Nisa's model. <laughs> I it. love it. I I have no idea what you're gonna get me to say when I'm on your podcast uh, in a few weeks. I can end it with a good paywall um, special. I can end. I could. I have a good little anecdote that could end this. We're, and wrap we're probably it up. not gonna put this behind a paywall. So <laughs> use your discretion. But we could always have you back on to talk about Radiohead or something, um, which is another band I've never quite clicked with so i'm curious that's crazy radiohead yeah that's a hot take that's another band that has i appreciate like, them every sound it's like saying you don't like the flaming lips i don't like, I that's don't like the flaming lips fuck <laughs> that's off. a different podcast uh nisa we love having you on uh thank what you do for you, having what me what do you got the plug it's honestly been great um well if you enjoyed this and if you're an interpol fan please come listen to my podcast can't take me anywhere um and dan's gonna come be a guest yep. watch uh, the space so. yeah. <laughs> yes so i'm excited for that conversation we'll be very different probably than this conversation it's not a music podcast but uh, i think you talk more about music than we do on this one by volume i think (laughs) no i doubt it someone's gonna do one day you guys will have some super fan i'll do the metrics perfect um but i'm really so grateful thank you so much for having me well i don't did you say the name of your podcast i don't think you actually yeah i think i did can't take me anywhere it's on spotify and apple um but most importantly if you can uh support on patreon that that helps a great deal to keep that show on the road so nice nice (laughs) andrew what do you got um i have this podcast i have our twitter which is run in the number two the ground (laughs) although you know Something happened to Twitter this week. I don't, it was in the news. Elon Musk so. bought it. Uh, tell him to buy our page. Buy out this podcast. We're, we're for yeah, sale. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, $40 billion. You got it, dog. <laughs> um, I will not be bought out or sold, Daniel. I, I'm, um, I'm for sale. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram and see baby pics, it's at my spur called life. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Dan Bassini on Twitter and Instagram, danbassini.com. No invite, volume eight, up for pre order. Uh, I just received the physical copies of the book. They look fucking great. Uh, trying to put some feelers out regarding getting a, uh, hopefully in New York City, a release party slash show slash gallery event. I'll uh, be there. <laughs> oh hell yeah uh so if anyone has any you know leads on places that might be down to show my work and host the party that won't fucking charge me money because paying to show my art is uh it's a scam and i refuse to be a part of it <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. let me know uh yep and you can follow me uh, i already said all that follow us both uh, run into the uh, run into the ground on instagram as well and do all the other bullshit you got to do. Please rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, and most it. importantly, tell your friends. Yes. Tell all your cool, popular, hip friends that uh, <laughs> we we get 
real heavy into the into the weeds and every facet of conversation. Tell your, tell your Paul Banks friends. Yeah, yeah. Tell your Albert Gosh. Hammond. Tell Jr. all your friends, friends just oh by taking back Sunday. Set Nisa up with your Albert Hammond Jr. and Paul Banks <laughs> friends. My God, <laughs> Jesus. Oh boy. All right. Uh, until next time, uh, Nisa. Thanks again, and uh, everybody else. We'll catch you later. Bye.